Well, folks, here we are. I don't have any, you know, catchy intro, any witty thing to say other than we've made it. We've made it all the way to the end. This is the last album. So it truly is the last of the Unplugged Gems here on the cast of the Unplugged Gems. We're talking man, machine, poem. Well, guys, we made it. We will do a wrap-up bonus episode, folks, so don't don't think that we're going to leave you so, so soon. But today we're discussing Man Machine Poem. And I really like this album. Uh, I think it sort of continues on from now for Plan A. It doesn't feel like a huge leap, but it is kind of unique. And there's some interesting production choices. A lot of distortion on guitars and vocals. And I feel like these are used deftly and cohesively to create a collection of really atmospheric songs. Um, the pace of which, save for a few moments on the record, aren't going to make you break a sweat. Um, Hot Mike and Here in the Dark being some examples of some tunes with jam. But overall, I think, like I said, the, the it, it's, a, it's a, a bit of a, an interesting album, and that could be credit to the two new producers, Dave Hamlin and Kevin Drew, who are both graduates from the early 2000s Canadian indie scene. So overall, the album to me feels kind of airy, flowing, not thin, but it's got wide open spaces for Gord to operate in. And the band weaves seamlessly and effortlessly through the ups and downs of the tracks. You know, keeping things interesting and always sort of guiding guiding us or beckoning us on through the verses, the bridges, and the chorus. And the album, like I said, does have some bite provided by tracks like Machine and again, Hot Mike. And these tracks, along with some others like Man, for example, give the album kind of a brooding feel. However, the other emotion that I feel or sentiment that I get from this record is nostalgia. Tracks like What Blue and In Sarnia provide this. In What Blue, Gord sings, In your eyes, what love looks like. It's still the longest thing that I do. It kind of has this looking back quality, and this, along with a few other tracks, have this. And it doesn't necessarily come across as sad or regretful, but just that this is the way that things are. These are the memories we have. And in fact, I feel a real hopelessness, um, or sorry, hopefulness at times when I'm listening to these tracks, despite what appears to be some kind of existential lyrical content. So I feel like I can't quite put my finger on a strong thread thematically throughout the album. It's like I'm chasing it, like I can feel it, but I can't totally explain it. And I get the sense, and I'll touch on, touch on this in my tracks that I'm gonna cover, that it's there's this kind of grappling with the inevitability of life the ups and especially the downs of life of man kind of struggling with his nature and his role in in this society we've built but at the same time like i said there's a hopefulness to it that looking for these answers may be a futile exercise but hey let's do it together and be comfortable with what we don't know again not sure i can build a strong case with all the lyrics for the albums for this kind of a theme um, but even when I just have the album on in the background, I, I get this feeling, this kind of life is weird, but hey, enjoy it while you can. And 
of course, maybe I'm just editorializing it a bit, knowing the outcome of, uh, of what happened. But this is something that the band kind of expi explicitly cautioned us not to do in some interviews, as the album was finished before Gord's diagnosis. So when I look through the, the lyric sheet uh, of this album, uh, I gotta say, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. I think Gord has provided some really great content and the band backs him up with an interesting, uh, if not laid back kind of um, plateau or, or palette rather to, to, that Gord can uh, rest upon. And so I'm glad you guys are here to help me uh, pick this one apart. John and Steve, welcome to the show. And, uh, you know, take over. Because what can I say right now? I'm just tired. Tired as fuck. <laughs> Who wants to start? Uh, Steve, yeah. good to see you. Great to see you too, Brad. John, great to see you as well. Um, I like your description here of the album, Brad. It's got a really nice flow to it, which I think is kind of uh, from a musical standpoint has really stood out to me. Um, thematically, like you said, I also like how you talked about kind of like the man grappling with society, kind of that conflict there. I hear, I hear that come up like uh, two or three times throughout the album. Um, I'm going to touch on it in one of my songs and, and uh, you know, it's kind of got a kind of, couple of the songs kind of have this 1984 kind of vibe to it where uh, people are just kind of subjects mm -hmm. of, uh, of the machine, so to speak. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, the song you mentioned, What Blue, uh, great love song, kind of like uh, uh, Love Will Overcome All kind of love song. Um, and then there's, there's a lot of, of songs about just kind of like inner struggle, uh, the things to be overcome, you know, what is, what is love triumphing uh, over? What is it triumphant over? Um, triumphing. I don't think that's a word. What do you guys think? Let's uh, bring John in. What are you triumphing? What say you? Yes. <laughs> I say yes. Great to be here. Um, and uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I sort of feel like um, uh, this, this album it has a, you know, melancholy to it. And, and it's very reminiscent to, we are the same. Um, however, like we are the same was chided pretty heavy by us. And I don't feel the same sort of resentment, uh, towards this work at all. Um, it just seems to, to be like a more resigned and sort of accepting, uh, I don't know, view on living with less. I mean, clearly the guy has gone through, there's been a, there's been cancer in the family with his wife and, um, you know, now there's been a breakup and a lot of these are breakup songs, but it's just, it sounds like a, a very mature and somber um, reassessment of things, you know? Hmm. Um, sorry, John, could you get into this idea of a, a breakup because i i gotta say I'm, I'm kind of naive to this to this uh, that's new information to me I, I don't know where it's coming from so sources. well there was what's a... your sources <laughs> sources i just don't i'm, I'm just interested what what uh, me too oh well this is this is where i sort of start to say things like i believe 
mm-hmm. and uh, things like that. Um, but uh, but yeah, I I, I thought that um, you know post recovery on his wife's uh, breast cancer that their relationship was a bit on the rocks. And I thought that that was common knowledge. I, uh, I had heard that. I mean, I've seen it written in a few places, uh, but like in the, con- in the, in the, in the way that I saw it wrote written about was um, that Gord kept his life very private and not much is known, but that they did separate. They did split him and his wife. And right. They, yeah. Right. So, so we all vaguely believe it. Oh yeah, it's it's totally believable. I just didn't read the same. Uh, I didn't read the same source material as you guys. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I wondered about that and whether you know whether to read into it uh, with the album. I didn't really. I mean, my tracks. I don't. I mean, maybe that maybe we can find some links there. So I didn't spend a lot of time with that. But it makes sense with some of the songs. Like I said, like if they have this nostalgia kind of feel to it. Um, like I mentioned, what blew in Sarnia, there's a lot of talking about, like he's talking about you. You did this, or your love is this, or I put your love in a in some in a closet. I can't remember the exact lines, but that does appear a bunch uh, in in a number of the songs. So there's clearly it made me think that there was somebody specific that he was speaking about or speaking to. It wasn't sort of like in some of the other tracks where there's like um this is sort of for everyone. This is when I say you're a machine. I mean, everybody, you know, that's kind of how mm. I saw it. So I did see that in some songs, but again, this could just be my lens on it. Who knows? Yeah. So in that Sarnia song, we're not really covering that one, but uh, it's an interesting song. Is, is the person's name Sarnia? <laughs> the fuck kind of name is that? I don't know. But, uh, we don't have to get into it or anything. That's just, that's obviously Sarnia is a, a city. Yeah. And um, in the kind of greater Toronto sphere down there, you know, but then he's talked, you know, referring to a person. I thought it was a song about a city. Then it seems like it's a song about a person. I don't know. I mean, so, it's, a, can it be both? Mem- don't name your kid Sarnia. <laughs> my only advice yeah i mean i i i I, not to dwell on this song too too much but i i I always felt like it was there's a person in the place it's memories about it but you know i didn't spend a lot of time you know scraping through those lyrics but um um yeah i thought that the you know we kind of said it's got you said john it's got a melancholy to it um I think let's, I want to go back to, I, you know, I talked about it in my opening, but musically how it's, to me, it was like um, taking the, the sort of grace to model of a song, you know, and, Mm. and expanding on it. A lot of the songs give me that, you know, there's these heavy bass drones, you know, um, like I said, open spaces and stuff. And it is interesting that he worked with the, Kevin Drew and Dave Hamlin on this. I know he worked with Kevin Drew on the other projects before he passed away. Kevin Drew was a part of that and he features in that movie um, that they made about that last tour. Um, so I, I I did dig the sound. I, I, I like the sound. It's like I said, it's, it kind of continues from now for plan A and that it's like the heaviness, the heavy songs aren't 
you know, they're not the barn burners that were on the early albums, but they, they have some gravitas, but there's more of, um, I don't know, a, a, a sound tape kind of a, feel to it, you know, like it, like I use the word atmospheric and stuff. And I think that that comes from Kevin Drew. If you look at his work, like he was part of broken social scene, that was his sort of big coming out thing. And that has this kind of, you know, for, I'm not a huge, hugely familiar with the band, but there was a lot of like built it was more like building with the different instruments like a lot of instruments each kind of building you know not doing too much but putting their their stamp where they need to be and i mean that's what the hip does generally and then you kind of add like maybe this more you know a younger take you know a younger take on it uh the kevin drew and dave hamlin i believe are both going to be younger than than the guys in the hip um and coming from a different sort of scene but obviously they will have encountered the hip at Canadian music functions and stuff like that. I'm assuming they're fans of the hip. So I thought that was an interesting collaboration and I think it worked. Um, so yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by the album actually. I mean, it wasn't, I had, I was aware of, you know, several of the tracks on it, but um, I never really dug into it as deep as I did until, you know, we were doing this episode, this show. And I was pleasantly surprised. Um, and I think it's a, you know, a nice fitting, sort of end don't you feel like the album was sort of lost in the wash of the news as well mm -hmm. i mean <clears throat> it was such a um you know uh really really tr sort of a traumatic news story um in canadian media and you know also there's this album that goes along there's a little baby on right. the and the tour you know like it seems like it was the sign and the tour gets yeah. lost in all this too right because i mean mm -hmm. if without exactly. the diagnosis the tour would have been hey we're touring our new album yes you'll get to hear the the, the favorites in the encore and stuff like that but this is going to be a tour of the album whereas the tour became mm -hmm. a greatest hits tour plus some of the a fair, news a farewell yeah. tour yeah yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think it's uh, I think it's a shame, to be honest, because I, I think it is a good album. Um, There's some really good tracks and... on here. Yeah, For sure. yeah, absolutely. And the, the tracks all sound like each other. Uh, the album has a sound, Yeah, which is um, sort of all you can ask for. You know, and there's some um, moments uh, in the album where you can hear the band work together in all their pieces uh, as they do best. You know, you can hear uh, really, really good backup vocal with, um, you know, with, with Gord pleading over top and a very cool drone from everyone else. You know, people are really playing to their strengths at certain times as well. And after a few albums of, you know, exploration and boundary pushing, it's nice to hear people play to their strengths, you know. Totally. Um, yeah, and I, I think it's got a great flow. If you guys will indulge me for a moment i just want to recount uh, a little bit of oh, interview. here we I, go i, I thought your uh, book was done to... books over but there's still lots out there so <laughs> um i'm not reading the gossip newspapers that you guys are reading but uh, <laughs> uh there's still a lot out there so um anyway uh take us to an interview gord did with the sadies in the wake of their 2010 album darker circles which is a, a great album, by the way. Um, so it was at the bath, bathhouse, and Gord was the one 
asking the questions. Uh, so it's really interesting when you hear an artist interview another artist, they could shine a light on the perspective of the artist asking the questions kind of more so than any traditional interview where the, they're answering the questions because you get to hear what they're really interested in, uh, especially from a guy like Gord, uh, who can be you know cryptic and guarded in interviews, this kind of thing. When you get to hear him ask the questions, you get to kind of get that unfiltered kind of uh, his interests come through. So he says to the band, he says, to me, you guys seem to be able to skirt and rise, or sorry, skirt and ride the edges of history and shapeshift. Uh, and what he means by this is the music is, is timeless and it continues to be timeless. Um, they're able to create music that is true to who they are, but are, that is in contact constant flux we talk about that all the time with the hip uh you know having their sound but it's always kind of changing but wait um, a second though i think i think that um unlike the hip the sadies are a revivalist band they have an old sound that they're playing they nod to uh, in the in the contemporary world yeah, yeah they yeah. have kind of like um, well i mean they've they've got their own sound it is they you know it's got a kind of country western uh, tones and then also uh, kind of more so 1960s kind of psychedelic rock mm -hmm. type kind mm -hmm. of stuff as well. So. Let me put it to you this way, though. Uh, you know, yeah, they sound like the birds doing old uh, American blues songs, which which that stuff exists, too. But I just let me put it to you this way. I'd be much, much more comfortable saying that the Sadies are a revivalist band rather than the hip are a revivalist band. You, yeah, you know I'm not what saying I mean, right? that the hip are a revivalist band here. I'm just kind of recounting the the question and, and answer, you know, but it is it is clear, it gives us kind of a introspection into what Gord is is interested in, right? Mm -hmm. So but no, you're totally right, John. That's that's uh, I would say that's a very apt uh, description. Anyway, so yeah, he, he says they're skirting the and riding the edges of history, shape-shifting, um, kind of, uh, you know, maybe a revival, in a revivalist way, but maybe kind of just, an, it's a timeless thing, right? Like, yeah. this kind of music is is great, and, and it might be a kind of uh, throwback, but it still has the same kind of qualities that we look for anyway so the sadies uh they talk about kind of their sound being inescapable even if they want to they can't sound like anyone else uh, so the follow-up question that gord asks kind of struck me um and in the in relation to the album that we're talking about today gord asked them how important is music to your music and uh kind of he, re he laughs and reframes it like he's talking about their what, what music they listen to, right? Um, and kind of how important is that to their creative process? And so Dallas Good and Mike uh, Belitsky of the Sadies give a great answer here about the elements of music they love kind of finding their way into their songs. Uh, Belitsky says, I paraphrase, he says, uh, you can listen to our music and find little bits to remind you of something you've heard, but when you try to take elements of another band and fit it into your song, I've never been successfully able to do that. And so uh, 
Dallas Good follows up by saying, uh, you can get you may get compared to another band because of a song or an instrumental, because certain technical elements may remind them of something else they've heard. Uh, but you just have to, you, you embrace that, right? It's pretty clear in the interview that the Sadie's uh, band members are experiencing a high of having one of their music heroes ask them about their songs. But it's also just as clear that Gord revels in the opportunity to interview one of his favorite bands, right? It's, kind of, it's, it's a nice little moment. I recommend that people watch it. But the big takeaway for me uh, is the influence of other, other bands bleeding into your song, sound, right? Mm. And just letting that happen. And, and, and I feel like I haven't noticed that element through the hip's career as much as I noticed it in this album. Could be the producer, like you mentioned, Brad, the two um, producers of the album who are kind of ingrained in the Canadian music scene. But I'm hearing like so many of of bits of other artists in this album. I don't know if you guys heard the same. Like, um, it just it feels like there's a lot of influence in this album, but it's fully immersed with the hip sound with just great flow. Like, I think it's effortlessly done not like on purpose, but just kind of letting it happen. Like I, I'm hearing Sloan in this album, Rio Statics, Broken Social Scene, like the the producer, uh, you know, hints of Blind Melon, Queen, Bowie, Modest Mouse. Modest Mouse for sure. That's just, one I had written down. Yeah. So so do you, do you think, and sorry, can I just ask, um, do you think that there was uh, a letting down of the guard and a willingness to incorporate um, these sort of outside um, influences into the sound on this album? Yeah. Uh, because, because, you know, beforehand they really did seem to be, you know, bushwhacking a new path. Mm -hmm. You know, e even the stuff they did with blues rock too, they don't sound like a traditional blues rock band. They've, They've, it seems like they've always uh, prided themselves on being uh, ex exceptions to certain convention, right? So it seems like they're kind of letting that all go and, and, and pulling I mean, in some of their, their friends' music. Because that, that's, who, that's who, everybody that you listed almost there, Steve, those are all touring mates. Those are all totally. ca Canadian, um, you know, m music uh you know, or indie or uh, uh, yeah, whatever lower you know. yeah but yeah. um i think it's the things that interest yeah, i think yeah. the um yeah i think the hip they never really you know you could never really say that they they you know they're like modest mouse in that way in where it's like you don't really the influences aren't really on the sleeve like you i mean the hip more so than mm -hmm. than modest mouse obviously there's elements that like the blues rock thing or whatever like you can see that mm -hmm. but it's not right like you said john it's not it's not your typical thing. And as they progressed mm -hmm. in their career, it got even more distinctly hip. You know, by the time you hit Phantom yeah. Power and on, or even Trouble in the Hen House, or even Day for Night, you know, like these are albums that were like, they're not like anything else. So I think it's interesting. I wonder, I mean, we'll never really know if it was like a conscious choice, a letting down of the guard, or if it's a, a, a younger producer that's sort of got these different tricks in his, in his uh, toolbox mm -hmm. and is bringing those to the table i don't know well the way you know is uh you go on youtube and you look for interviews 
And no, uh, we'll never this know. One, this, this particular interview was, I don't know if you guys knew this, this was conducted by Gord Downey. Is YouTube like a book that you read yeah, and then you reference right. yeah. thousands of times throughout that's a podcast right. run? <laughs> no, I, um, I, it's, it's just clear <clears throat> from the interview and, and clear from a lot of interviews, a lot of stuff I, I've, I've read or, or heard of Gord that in this kind of last decade or whatever you want to call it, last kind of six, seven years of, of their career, they, their interest in other bands mm-hmm. Especially, right. particularly Gord, yeah. his interest in other bands and different music was reaching uh, higher levels. Well, right? the thing, he's the doing thing... albums with the Sadies around yeah. this time. He's doing albums with other groups. He's he's on all sorts of recordings around yeah. this time. And it could be you it know, could so... be that as you get to the <clears throat> level that you're at, you need to find more inspiration. You need to, or you're just like, where do you know? We've done something with it with the hip that we, you know, but how do we keep it fresh? How do we, you know? Well, why worry about it? I think that's the whole point of this interview is why I think Gord is, is like, a, you know, from all the evidence, I think he's an overthinker about, of things, you know? And I think he was previously, I would guess he overthought the fact that he, they needed to stand out and be, have the most original sound. And, and that meant to put walls up, mm and guard from other influences coming into their music because then oh my god we're gonna sound like this or that or whatever but now it's like why would i why am i worried about this we're we're like an established super group and this can only make our music better and i think in this album i think Mm -hmm. it has well, I'm glad you said that, Steve, because like I wanted to talk about how maintaining um, independence uh, is, you know, deliberate. Like that, those those sorts of things, like being free of influence and things like that. That's the hard. That's the high road. That's the long road, and <clears throat> it's very difficult to do that. <clears throat> Probably impossible. I'm remember- you can't ever be. Well, I I, I'm. Rem- no, I'm I'm just I'm reminded of, you know, well, there's been lots of vanguards, you know, like uh obviously, uh, you know, a group like uh, you know, the Flaming Lips is 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 forging their own path a lot more than the Monkeys. But I I want I wanted to talk to you about like um just about Modest Mouse because they were brought up here. Um and this is a little tangential, but I I'll, I'll, I'll we, get it we right back. Steve, uh, that will indulge quick. you too. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's the nicest thing literally anyone's ever said to me. Um, the there was a there was an album that Modest Mouse did with Johnny Marr, who is the guitar player famously from The Smiths. And so he's of a different age. He's 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 completely from a different cultural upbringing. Their music sounds completely different from from Modest Mouse. And uh, Johnny Marr did a pilgrimage. He had a family, a wife and children. He moved them to the United States in an effort to join Modest Mouse, having never met them or contacted them. It's a really cool story. Um, And he refers to them as the king of indie bands. 
He said that uh, you can listen to Modest Mouse and not be able to pick out any of their influences. It's like they've come from mm-hmm. Mars. So that is a deliberate thing. When you do that sort of thing, when you when you safeguard yourself from influence in in that drastic a fashion, it's deliberate and it's probably exhausting. And the and the hip have been doing that. Uh, for some time it's now. deliberate or it's just the right? way you are it's just you're this you know one of those unique sort of snowflakes that you know has this well of inspiration that's different from anyone else well what's but, the yeah it's between some, deliberate and the way yeah. you are well but all the all the collabs all the collaborations from gordon and and other younger indie artists have finally bled onto his mm. page like you know like he's doing so much like you'd said steve with 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 other groups other artists and they're younger artists that's part of it too you know um you know well, because he's a hero well, I think that I think that at the core of this, Gord has an urge to be relevant. I don't think he wants to go and play. It's like the Eagles play Hell Freezes Over, and they play all the fucking classic fare that everybody wants mm-hmm. to hear. He really detests that. I've seen him live enough times to know that he's not there to play Blow It High Dough and go home. He, you know, he wants to contribute something artistic yeah, and and you know there was no and, there was and, no sign of yeah. them slowing down like not making new music was it were, were it not for the diagnosis were it not for the end that the abrupt end that happened you know like this band would have continued to make music i think but there were lots of lots of signs of gord breaking away from the band yeah doing new things for ways. sure but i mean i feel like yeah. had this yeah. not happened you know maybe the breaks between hip albums get longer but you know they're artists and i mean look at now too i mean uh, gord sinclair has put out an album i think langlois has put out some 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 work not maybe not post uh gord's death but before so i mean they all kind of i think the all of them seem to have a bit of you know wanting to continue making music they're artists they're in it to make the art they're not in it to cash the paycheck and you know, like you said, do the sunsets tour and just play the casinos playing the hits for till, you know, whenever the bank right. runs, whenever the, you know, the bank account runs dry, let's just whip together another tour and we'll do that. And you know, it definitely not that at all. Yeah. So no, I, yeah, I think you guys are right. I think that's kind of their, the prevailing attitude of Gord and, and probably the whole band. Um, towards kind of their new music but i mean like it's it's an admirable kind of stance to take it's an admirable admirable posture to want to continue this kind of road of of uh creation right creativity Mm -hmm. um and uh, so i think it's great like it is it is i guess unfortunate that this album kind of didn't get uh you know, I don't want to say swept under the rug or anything, but I think it's a good album. I, I, I really do. Um, and it, it was cool to hear the songs, some of the songs live. Um, and, you know, it, it, it works. I really like it. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, one other just final note of interest. Uh, this album had a different name, mm-hmm. uh, but they changed it for the release uh, due to kind of oh. two factors 
can I guess? Can I guess what the original name was? Oh shit! Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, uh, it was Dougie and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. Yes, that's it. <clears throat> wow! That's Thank you. Brilliant. brilliant. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I, that's that wasn't it. Um, the, what? <laughs> they were gonna name this album Ziggy Stardust. No, wasn't it Dougie? Dougie Stardust or something? That's what I read. Is it? I thought, but I could be wrong. Uh, hold on, maybe I just rushed through the Wikipedia. I'm. I thought it was uh, Ziggy Stardust. This know, is a I real guess. question for you, Steve. Is a real question live on podcast air? Are you researching this episode as we're recording this episode? No, no, no. This is. Do you want me to show you my notes? They're extensive. <laughs> Um, if I was, I'd have this answer way quicker. No, it was Dougie and the and the Ziggy yeah, Stardust. but it was a nod to 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 Ziggy Stardust, and then David Bowie mm-hmm. passed away. And then... right, okay, yeah, no, I yeah, I sped read the Wikipedia article. Yeah, it's Dougie Stardust, Dougie Stardust. Yeah, so they renamed it because of Bowie passing away. Yeah, kind of tragic that they would have a meeting and they would uh, talk about renaming their work uh, and unbeknownst to them, their singer was about to die. There's a bunch of this, yeah, lots you of know. sequences going on, like Gorn mm-hmm. uh, finding out his diagnosis the day after, or the day they buried his dad. You know, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. So the stars aligned in a way that's, I mean, tragic, uh, sad. Um, this being the last album, I don't know. Like it's that's sad. Like as a as lifelong fans of the band, I think we were all looking forward to these guys being around, you know, forever. Mm-hmm. Despite that, may not have been their image of the future or their vision of the future. I think like I would have been happy to go see the tragically hip as a bunch of blue hairs at the gray eagle casino <laughs> uh playing all uh, playing the favorite songs or whatever maybe it would have happened maybe it wouldn't who knows but i mean in, in a way these stars kind of aligned to to uh release this album and then go on the tour that we'll always remember so well, yeah, and I wanted to say too i mean as far as our expectations as fans uh i mean nobody let us down it 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 became you know it went from the tour for this uh new album to you know like a love letter from the band to the fans and you know i'm uh, again really really appreciative that uh it was deemed as the most pertinent use of his last time to you know share and commune with fans again you know i've been hard on gourd over the course of this um podcast um about the way he feels about you know his core group of fans but you can't question his commitment um in this way it 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 was you know it was he had to learn to ride a bike all over again and then went out and ran the tour de france for us it was really really cool yeah yeah extraordinary Great uh, analogy there, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we should move it along and get to the tracks 
Um, and I'm going to start off with the first track on the album, Man. So the opening lines of this of this track, man, I am a man and I am a man, so I do what I hate and I don't understand. This to me speaks of the inevitability of life, kind of what I touched on in, in, the, in my opening. As a man, as a human, you, you live regardless of whether you like it or not, which then makes us the machines. Gord goes on to say, I'm a real machine, you're a real machine. And this kind of seems to be the crux of the song for me. We as people, you know, maybe it's, I'll bring my biology into it. We're animals, we have a nature, we kind of can't escape it. As much as we dress it up in our society and civilization, philosophies, whatever other high-minded things we do, at the end of the day, I'm a man, you're a man, we are men, we're machines. Um, Gord later on says, I decorate my cells, I am the holy fool. I can get strangely compelled, but I can't get rid of the self. So like I said, you can dress it up, you can decorate yourself down to the cell, philosophize, you can invent religions, become the holy fool, whatever non-physical things it is. Um, and you can get compelled by your own creations. But at the end of it, you can't get rid of the self. You are what you are. You are just you. Um, and in the second verse, we get this reference to the general and the hot mic, which both appear again in the song Hot Mic. And to me, these are kind of presenting the same things. But this is where I get that it's more less on the individual level. So whereas before it kind of spoke to me as a guy just sort of struggling to find or struggling to deal with where do I fit in, what is my purpose, what is life about, we now have the same sort of concepts on the societal level. But of course, they're still kind of shrouded in mystery, kind of mass, because we only get a, you know, a chance sighting of them because of this hot mic that happened to be left on. Just off the hot mic, there is the general. Are we waiting to be invited? I could eat him up in two gulps. So this image of the general sort of raring to go, what are we waiting for, an invitation? I could destroy these fools in two, two gulps. This to me is the representation of man's nature to consume, you know, to kind of battle either against each other or the, the elements, environment, which we know is Gord's, uh, one of Gord's causes in his later career was our relationship with the environment. But I can't help, I indulged you guys, so now indulge me on a slight ta tangent. I can't help but use the face of the actor George C. Scott <laughs> when he's playing General Buck Turgidson in the movie Dr. Strangelove, Dr. Strangelove as my representation of, in, of the character. And if you know the film, you'll know that Buck was a character that embodied all the military bravado of America during the Cold War. And at one point in the film, when faced with the potential uh, of inadvertently slipping into a nuclear conflict with the Soviet Union, he desperately advocates for a first strike against the Ruskies, saying, Mr. President, I'm not saying we wouldn't get our hair must, but I do say no more than 10 to 20 million killed tops, uh, depending on the breaks. 
And it's this shoot first, ask questions later, reckless nature of humans that I think is being portrayed here. And really, that's basically it for the lyrics, other than the continuation of repeating that I am a man and I'm your machine, I'm a machine parts. Musically, the song itself is slow and atmospheric, like we talked about uh, throughout this album. And it kind of reminds me of, uh, of Radiohead. This is one we didn't talk about in the open, but like it could be something off Kid A with a groovy driving bass line kind of surrounded by the flowing guitar and melody. And I just want to point out that the use of the double vocals where Gord comes in over top of himself at times to deliver the next line, to me adds this kind of schizophrenic quality to the song. Of the of the and it speaks to this sort of you know genuinely trying to grapple with these with these themes. Where do I fit in society? Where do I fit in life? And then where do we as humans fit in the society that we built and you know potentially in the conflict with nature? So it's not really on the nose, but these are the thoughts, these are the the images and the and the feelings that it evoked for me. Um, and that's my take on man. What say you? bunch of machines i'm so glad you brought up buck turgeson uh, from, <laughs> from one of my Strangelove. favorites yeah chomping on a big piece of gum too mm-hmm. um uh, well we can't let him in he'll see the big board yeah <laughs> yeah yeah there's um, a million quotes you could go for, for that yeah guy. yeah um yeah it doesn't it feel very deliberate though um as a songwriting device for for gord like he's usually quite a bit more subtle um than this like if things are very laid out you know the fact that this was originally meant to be i don't know like dougie stardust or whatever i wonder if that isn't a nod to some canadiana um with uh you know like bob and doug mckenzie even just you know it it just sounds very canadian yeah it just sounds very canadian yeah 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 exactly but the idea that there was some concept album that was shelved and scrapped man would have been part of the concept album that now we're not moving in that direction yet man this song man still remains you know well i Um, do think that man and machine mm -hmm. those songs are linked and possibly even hot mic but i i can't i wouldn't be able to Mm -hmm. but yeah but jump on but you know but you know what i mean right like it just seems very all of it is very obvious for the way that he's been writing this entire way you know like it makes me think about uh, uh, now from Plan A, where you know he's going way over the top with all the theatrical, you know, man machine. See, it works in monkeys and all this stuff. Like it's all just very <laughs> like plain and sort of, you know, heavy-handed. Uh, normally he doesn't operate in those sorts of ways. So, I mean, that was the thing that I was sort of struck by is that there's like some conceptual elements that are really like laid bare and left to lay bare and, you know, and they go and like they relate directly to the title of the album and to a previous song. There's all sorts of things that typically Gord hasn't been doing. 
you know, I, I don't know. Does, does Have you guys given any thought to the idea that this album was like almost the same way that they rush uh, Ipso Fact, or sorry, um, uh, Postmortem um, uh, releases where it's like, well, we have some stuff in the tank, so just blow it out. You know, like get the stuff out. I know that they've said that this album was done. It was all ready when there was a diagnosis. And I'm not trying to question that. I just mean it really does seem like a, almost like a, a flush album. Not in the way that it sounds, um, that the tracks sound to each other. But just there's, there doesn't seem to be a fully written concept to this concept album. And then there's these like skeleton these songs that make the skeleton of a concept album that was never fully realized do you guys have any of that uh, am i well before i would throw it to steve i mean i think i alluded to that a little bit and that there i feel like i felt like there was a fleeting theme throughout this that i just couldn't put my finger on i think some tracks kind of speak to it more than the other but it could also be me sort of picking my tracks and finding a, a link between them and then trying to paste it over the whole thing i don't know what do you think steve yeah, I don't know. I hadn't considered that, John. Um, I guess I kind of just took them at their word. But what you're saying is it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, there's definitely through lines here from the last album to this album um, and throughout this album, too, uh, which kind of there's there's ideas and themes that are pretty tightly linked together. And, and like you said, John, are laid bare in your words. I thought that was a good way to put it. Um, yeah, I think kind of what, what this song, obviously this is a really interesting song. It, it opens the album in an interesting way. I really liked your description of it, Brad, being um, <clears throat> kind of the, the – <clears throat> pardon me. Ooh, just let me grab a drink here. Yeah, you said it was – uh, schizophrenic kind of thing. It was cool. To me, the, the lines in this song that really kind of, I think, set the, set the foundation for the album is, is the lines you focused on, Brad, of uh, the end with, I can't get rid of the self. I think this is a big time self-struggle album. And I think that shows up in a bunch of different songs. Um, so yeah, I maybe was it a concept album that didn't quite make the, just didn't, they ran out of time or, or they ran out of energy to kind of complete it. Or they wrote That's other cool. good songs that didn't fit the concept. That, yeah, that right. sort of thing happens all the time, right? Like, mm -hmm, anyway, mm -hmm. sorry. Yeah, no, I think that, yeah. I I'm interested that, that you, you said like, it, I mean, that it's laid bare. You know, some of these things are laid bare because I got it like, I mean, I think at the end of my little description there, I said it's not really on the nose. And I was thinking of it more like, I guess maybe like some of the themes, like they, they are glaring or it comes out like, but it felt like it was maybe the, the, the theme to me of the seeking, like the sort of seeking, this sort of trying to understand, this sort of grappling with it is the theme that's sort of laid bare. But then I'm looking for like layers within that. Like, well, what is that? What does it mean that I felt like maybe that wasn't on the nose or something? Like, I feel like I'm left not wanting, but you know, like 
with the character of the song or with the mood of the album or whatever in the same way that it's like there's there's something here there's there's answers or maybe there's no answers to this life to these questions and that's okay you know but you're kind of still wanting to to find them i don't know this is i just know i felt like when when the album was first released i was like boy these are very plain sort of obvious uh themes you know Hmm. like not often like we're talking about brad you're covering songs that are called man and machine respectively and then Mm. the album is called man machine poem i when i heard of that i was like well it's a little fucking on the nose don't you think you know like uh, i just just in that you know uh human beings are machines and they're capable of art i was like Oh boy, is is this going to be is this going to be really obvious or you know deliberate? You know, and and the album isn't. I I don't think it is. It's just when you hear those there's, titles, there's some of that. You know, yeah. there's an element to that. But you know, obviously they they had a different title for the for the album, and then maybe mm-hmm. I think the title may have been rushed. Mm-hmm. That makes all sorts of sense to me. That and Gore talked sh- about the, you yeah. know, because the title obviously comes from the track on Now for Plan A and in interviews, because Steve, I also look up interviews. Nice. I don't know if you knew that, but I do. And uh, just a second, Brad, where do you do that? Because I've never, I don't do that. It's called uh, the Where interwebs. does somebody get that done? Mm. It's called the interwebs. I don't know what Steve's talking about with his YouTube. Sounds like a video platform. I love oh, yeah. transcripts was... of old interviews. So I read them. So yeah, I get microfiche. no. Microfiche yeah, get... has been around for years. And I go yeah, to the public library and, yep, you know, I do. put it under yep. one of those magnifying glasses and I get no context. Mm-hmm. I get no body language i get no inflection i just read the words for what they are (laughs) anyway he said gord said that the title of the song man machine poem was about his wife and it was like i can't remember exactly now but it was like he's the man or you know she's the poem and he had this description of it but i'm like i don't think that that i mean i think some of those themes carried on to this album but i don't know if that's exactly what they're going for when they're reusing this title. So maybe the title was rushed, but mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. That's I. That's kind of the the what I'm going with here. I feel well, like when your when your album is called Man Machine Poem and your first song is called Man and your last song is called Machine, it's like some of the stuff that Neil Young has done with concept albums throughout his career. You know, that's that was sort of the first thing that. I thought of was Transformer Man, which is, you know, completely different. We awesome. don't have to get into it. Um, but uh, but yeah, I just I just sort of felt like, boy, oh boy, we can see all the nuts and bolts. Gord never does this. It's all mm-hmm. shrouded all the time, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think it's something that's like. Uh, I think it's interesting. I, I I'm not saying it's irrelevant to the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think it's um, super material. I think it's I, – I remember thinking the exact same thing, John. It was just yeah. like, this seems odd to me. 
there's going to be half the album is man songs and half the album is machine songs. And then yeah, everybody and goes like, under the sea at the end. They, <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, no. For you sure. Know, yeah, old, like contraption. Okay. The poem is all the songs or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah. And but upon listening to it, I don't know. I think the album does a good job of, of weaving together, um, themes and, and stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a finished product kind of way, you might say, did you guys wish that you had a different title? Like maybe, maybe they'd say yes. Maybe they'd say, yeah. Oh, Barry, I'm not trying to crap on it in, in, in that way. I, I, I just, I just, the same thing you were saying where um, it seems like there's a concept that is being deliberately driven at in certain songs and then less so in the other songs, but they, mm-hmm. it, it that doesn't mean they should have been discluded. I'm glad they put the album together the way it did. And it, it sounds very cohesive too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like a disjointed record in any way either. It's just the titles. When you look through the track listing, you're like, that's a concept album song and that's a concept album song. And then that's not, that's just a regular song that got put into the same, you know, anyway. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. All right. Well, let's let's move it along then to the to the second track on the album. John, you're going to be doing In a World Possessed by the Human Mind. This is a really really interesting song. Um, I I, I wanted to take on the song uh, just because uh, it feels like it has uh, the conflict of man versus nature. Um, just at first blush, without any of the backstory or the happenings on people's lives and and uh, relationships at the time and all that sort of thing, it, it, uh, it, it has always just struck me as a, a man versus nature um, type of story. Um, and, you know, it depends on sort of how we view the word possessed. Um, possessed as in owning or, you know, if you talk about possession in a spiritual way, I think that um, I think that both are sort of valid. Um, there's an environmental uh, sort of lilt uh, to everything Gore does and says publicly at this time. Um, and it sort of seems like this is this falls right into the crosshairs of uh, uh, you know of Gord the environmentalist, um, but I can't I can't really decide if he's trying to say that uh, man thinks he owns all his surroundings, or if he's trying to say that uh, look don't all our surroundings behave as if they're animated by um, you know, by the human mind, you know, uh, as if, as if, you know, the earth were some husk to be inhabited by, uh, uh, you know, a parasitic, uh, will, you know, and, and I think, I don't know, I think it's, a, I just think it's a very, very powerful thing to say that, it, you know, the world possessed by the human mind, um, and I, I sort of lean towards the idea that the things that happen in the world and the way the river flows and the way the traffic flows and the way, you know, 
almost everything is in rhythm is is because it is the will of some person or some people like it's impossible to take the ego out of the landscape even you know like you look around you and the things you see are all directly tied to one person's ego or, or another because human beings have this necessity this want to imprint and impress their livelihood and vitality and legacy onto their surroundings so now there's nothing raw to look at and i think that that's an environmental message where you can say you know look at this river's been diverted every river's been diverted this is not a true and natural lake those are sort of the things i i think of when i hear um the title in a world possessed by a human mind. But once you start digging into the lyrics, it is as with most of these later hip uh, songs, more to do with him, with, with Gord Downey, his relationships at the time and the way he's feeling about the world around him. Um, and I mean, he, he, quite often he references your he says you know it's exactly as you described so there's this other person in the in the song and i think it's probably pretty safe to assume that that person is his wife um but uh yeah he says yeah he says everything is clear it's just as you described and and so in in the way that i see it it's like him saying that you expressed a worldview to me, uh, the way that you saw everything after being through some sort of really traumatic experience. And now I see it to be true as well. And you, you, you were right. And, you know, I was a bit asleep to these or numb to these sorts of things, but now I see it just like you do. Um, I mean, there's, there's so much melancholy in the lyric content too, um, but there's a pop delivery um, in the song, and not pop. Obviously, it's not like a it's not a fucking Quincy Jones song, but it's a it's pop in the sense that you know, like contemporary pop Canadian music sounds like this. Um, they've you know they've sort of moved the band towards that. Um, but it's uh it's it's certainly very interesting you know like even the way he says um it's so quiet you could hear god rustling in the bushes and then he goes oh no that was just you you know like gotcha you know and it's almost like even when you think there's genuine natural phenomenon it's just another human pulling another string like there's no like it was just a costume again you know so i i it feels like someone who's been robbed of the uh the idea that things happen at random and the idea that the world around them is uh you know a natural occurrence and not something very crafted and just like a sort of a cynical view of uh who made what you see and you know and and those sorts of things there's 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 things i really like about the song i like i really like the way he says you know uh it's a little a little super dangerous 
you know, the way that you use a diminishing word like little and then, um, you know, and then super right, right together. Um, you know, this is all classic, the stuff we love, we love out of Gord. Um, and, you know, as far as the music goes, it's, it's, it's really cool. Like, it's really, really nice. I mean, we talked a lot about um, in We Are The Same how they were looking for new sound and it sounded like uh, strained or like almost like they were trying too hard or it was too deliberate. This is a great example of them having really unique um, musical elements that seem to have happened organically. Um, like... Is there a sitar in the song? Uh, is something I looked I looked at and I looked at really really hard and I could I could not find the answer to. Um, you should have looked a for an interview. Oh, oh, oh! I see, I see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's I got a book a, called YouTube. It's a <laughs> there's a whole section about it. <laughs> okay, well maybe you can tell me what page it's on, but. Uh, it's either a really heavy guitar effect or it's a sitar. And I, I, I wanted to point out um, the guitar between uh, chorus two and verse three is especially beautiful. Uh, it seems to meld uh, almost seamlessly with a, with a, with a, with a vocal part. I can't, I can't even tell. Like these are really, really good. Uh, you know you have a very, very good production when someone is listening to hear if it's a voice or a sustained guitar note and they cannot tell the difference. It's there's, it's a very, very deftly produced album as well. And, and uh, I think that that Agreed. comes through here. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, this is a song that I think has captured more people's um, imagination in the album, uh, possibly than any other song on the album as well. I you know, you can see things like lyric views, like the amount of times people have pulled up the lyrics. This song leads the album. So, you know, maybe it's uh, by virtue of that, one could say it's maybe the one of the more deeper lyrical, uh, lyrical offerings. Um, I don't know. I... Uh, I thought it was I thought it was I thought it was really really cool and very very ambitious. The fact that I can't say whether the conflict in the song um comes from uh you know comes from the the narrator viewing his surroundings through his own mind or him saying that all my surroundings are manipulated by human minds in one way or another. The fact that I can't determine between the two of them, it, obviously it's a very ambitious thing to have written a song about. Um, I'm just, I'm wondering what you guys have got from it. Obviously this is maybe one of the ones you would have heard many, you know, many times uh, from, from this album before we, we started doing our research. Uh, what say you, Brad? Um, yeah, I think uh, this was a standout on the, on the album for me. I really like musically this, this, this song, the way that it flows and the vocal melody, when you get to Gord delivering the line in the world possessed by a human mind, like it's just great. It's classic hip. I think it's really great song. I view the world possessed by a human mind. Like I think of it kind of similarly to what I was saying about, um, you know, man's place in society or that we've built these things up, you know, and I think it's looking at that 
and saying it's like a self-importance. It's like we have this self-importance. Humans think we like you kind of touched on there. You know, we think we we own this world or we think that we are, you know, the thing. But it's it's you can look at it from a like a uh, an individual level or a society level. And to me, it's it starts with the individual. But because everybody feels that way, that like the you can only view the world through your own eyes. So it mm-hmm. is, you know, the world is possessed by your mind. That's all you have. That's all you have to mm-hmm. view it. So it becomes your interpretation of everything. And then when you extrapolate that onto everybody thinking that way, like we're all kind of selfish you know, beings, just like living. Right. And But then once you realize that, once you see that, then it's you see that the world is possessed by the human mind. And it's like, and then you can, if you know that, then you can maybe mm-hmm. look beyond that. Maybe, you know, that's, that's kind of how I took it, but. And that's, and that's like, she's, you know, uh, that's like he, he says about his, his other person in the song, um, you know, uh, everything is clear. It's exactly as you described, right. Mm-hmm. Like where you're saying people are so self-involved there, the world outside of what they're interested in almost doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It's just these people with these narrow views of focus. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, I, I think, so John, your mm. two options of what you thought the song could be about. Um, those I, are I the only, I, those are the only ones that I could come up with, but yeah, yeah I, I saw two yeah, different. I, know, I think it's, it's great that you came up with kind of both. I only considered option B to be honest. Um, and I, I really honed in on that's the ec- that's the exorcist possessed like with the green goo and the spirit mm-hmm. of sanctum and everything, correct? They're really Catholic. Well, but anger. yeah, okay. So I was thinking about the- it more so like this is a person in a um, in this kind of brave new world or 1984 kind of uh, setting where. The, the powers that be are really controlling everything. And, and so the, the other person in the song, I'm, I, I don't, I'm not looking at it as a relationship. I, it feels more like a tour guide to me. Um, and so the, the thing that I'm kind of want to zone in on, I guess, is the, the line about uh, justice. I think it's a super uh, poignant line where where everything is quiet, a little super dangerous, like like you're saying, in the shadow of the law and with colors of justice. Right? Is there anything more terrifying, terrifying, uh, or super dangerous than the facade of justice acting swiftly? You know, in the shadows. Um, so to me, this song is is absolutely about the the possession is um, you, you're living in a world with no control because everything is kind of decided for you, right? Like there's this there's a huge power dynamic in this song where don't worry, right? Like the people who have the power have your best interest at heart. Don't you, don't, don't you worry about it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like the sun will come up tomorrow. 
because a committee deemed it was appropriate and exactly yeah so Um, do you think though then it's steve because this is something that like i was kind of trying to get at with man and i'll touch on with machine and stuff too and what i think this album is it's that inevitability but or do you think that it's more you know making a deeper point about uh, you know, more in the vein of 1984, where there actually is some kind of thing that's controlling it, or is it fate? Like, is he talking about, don't worry about it, because it's predetermined, as in like fate, as we would, you know, classically think of it, or it's predetermined, because there's, whether it's, you know, a government or systems built by yeah, humans, there's, a, there's that, a controlling agency, like there's a machine. So he's talking about governing Google. The, yeah, well, exactly. For sure he is. Well, and it's I mean, art it's artificial versus organic. I mean, if you want to get back to the same, you know, 100%. Point, yeah. Right? That's yeah. another way to frame it. Mm-hmm. For sure. But the but the 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 other way that we that we haven't sort of talked about is that I'm I've been involved in a crisis. I've been through a traumatic experience. Now the entire world is different. You know, is it is it just an eye of the beholder thing where my human mind has possessed the entire world and now nothing can be uh, nothing can exist without my crisis? I mean, I've gone through a breakup. I've gone through, uh, you know, cancer in the family. Like the reason why I brought that uh, up as an explanation is because I I don't know that I can rule it out. It, 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 you know, it's people people see the world extremely differently after they've been through this this trauma. And if you can only see it through one lens, is that what he's talking about? Like the entire world is, you know, I can't I can't see it through. You know, I the only the only thing i can see the world through is the prism of my mind and it's been forever altered and now everything is worse or everything is hard or difficult you know what i mean like um i i i, I don't know because there's so many things in the album that point to personal calamity you know so uh, yeah i think i mean there's I I agree album throughout the album there's a lot of that I don't know for me just when I when I read the lyrics of the song when I listened to the song it was more so about having your existence filtered by a so kind of a controlling yeah. agent yep you know and when I look at the lyrics particularly the in the shadow of the law and with colors of justice yep lyric um so i don't know if you guys realize this i realized this last night um are you gonna tell us about a dream yeah nothing better there's nothing better than strangers listening to accounts of your own dreams that's been my uh, experience or videos that people have taken of a fireworks show Let's get into it. I was sitting on a table, you know, one of those fold folding tables and a plate dropped out of the sky and shattered at my feet. And I couldn't get off the table. What does it all mean? Um, impotence. Anyway, <laughs> it could be an impotence thing. Um, so... <laughs> 
it's gotta be it right uh so but i i realized last night that this album and this is the only one so far as i know uh this is the only one this album's the only one with liner notes hmm. uh in the uh lyrics lyric sheet Whoa. uh and it explains reference or it it directs you to the source of references. Well, what have I been blathering about? If there's already some sort of key yeah, shit, or I didn't know there. Were no, no, no. It's, it's 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 a key or it's not a key. It's it's just it's just uh, asterisks with that uh, that then tell you what the what the source of it is, mm. right? So uh, the title has one such source. Uh, from Northrop Fry. I don't know if you guys know Northrop Fry. Uh, when I when when I read it, the name's familiar, but I had no idea who he was. It's a Canadian kind of literary giant of the 20th century, you know, early 20th century. I named uh, my son Northrop. Of course <laughs> I knew. Yeah, I, I love frying things. Of course I knew. Yeah, you know I Fry. Knew. You know this guy. Anyway, what would you shorten that name to, John? Northy? Rup. No, Rupper. 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 Okay. Rupper. That's what I call my son. Um, <laughs> so, uh, interestingly enough, you brought up the man versus nature. So, let's go into what Northrop Fry says about the title. Uh the poet's job is not to describe nature, but to show you a world completely absorbed and possessed by the human mind. Right? So he's talking, he's he's talking about kind of the role of the artist here. So I don't know oh. if that really filters the Oh, so this is the this is the poem track. Because we have man and we have machine, and the world possessed by the human mind, that's the poem. Yeah. Yeah, for right. sure. Does it feel like we're in the Da Vinci right. Code to you guys? We just solved. Do we want it. to get a map? We just solved Solve. it. Podcast Boom. over. Could yeah. be. Um, I can't wait till we find Gord's treasure. <laughs> so, yeah, listen to me. This, it's this, behind this the Canadian always... Charter of Rights and Freedoms. We got to break uh, into Parliament right. and well, get it. <laughs> well, nothing, you know. There's no better time to get at those than right now. Am I right, boys? <laughs> That's, That's right. true. That's true. Uh, <clears throat> oh, we uh, said we weren't going to talk about it, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so it, it, I, I'm not like persuaded either way. I, I I'm just kind of really interested in both ways that the stream. Uh, trickles. So no, but the but the north the Northrop uh, uh, stuff um, that tells me that it's 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 a. I can only see the world through my own prism, and everything I interpret is inextricably linked to myself. Hmm. Like the the ego pollutes in, everything, you know. In, right. So this is the thing. Unless what he's interpreting is this kind of power dynamic society right like mm -hmm. that's it's it's super interesting either you're living in 1984 or you're the crazy person who thinks he is mm -hmm. right could be either one um, well there's a lot of there's a lot of depth there you know the fact that we've had to 
you know, we've had to go this deep into the weeds and, and mm. put this fine a point on it says that it's good poetry, you know, um, totally, totally. saying, saying gigantic things in small packages. That's what it's all about, man. Yeah. So, yeah. And I just wanted to touch on a couple other things you said here, John, uh, first the production. Oh mm. my God. So good. But this is where they brought in the sound. Like, this sounds like the broken social scene to me. The marching kind of mm. uh, drumline, that kind of thing. I think that's kind of like a trademark and uh, really, really pro stuff there. And uh, kudos to you, John. You used the word lilt. And I thought to myself, did he say tilt? And then I don't know, I didn't say tilt, he said lilt. And then I looked up the word lilt and it fit the context of what you were saying, which tilt would have also, but great <laughs> word. I didn't I didn't know lilt was a word. What the fuck? I don't recall using the word lilt. <laughs> okay, well so the mystery. it's on recording. We can play it back. We'll go back and listen. So you use the it's word a clue. Lilt. Find oh, wait a treasure. second. Oh, wait a second. Are you telling me that there's a recording completely possessed by the human mind Ooh. that might say well, lilt? We yeah. can we record it so we can send it to the government and then they redact the information they don't want getting out and then they write the, the whatever they're okay with getting out and then they publish that under the government publishing agency. And that's done by the friendly government of Canada? That's right. Hey, we're just going to go ahead here and filter some of your thoughts out because some of them are pretty <laughs> randy. Yeah. A little unfriendly, you know, a little uncouth there. But so we're going to ask you to tone it down for next time. Yeah. And uh, then, then there we go. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, well, yeah, I mean, more questions than answers, but uh, it's tough. It, you know, this is one where I wasn't able to find a lot of traction. I was really inspired to jump into the song, and I didn't find many answers. It, uh, it seems like a personal relationship song as well. We haven't touched on that quite, you know, too, too much, but uh, it's deliberately vague. A lot of that stuff is left out and uh, sort of left for the listener to guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think we should move it along. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be here all day. But, um, John, you're up next with the with the next track as well. So I'll let you take it away. Uh, here in the Dark. Um, this is a... This is my favorite song on, uh, on, the, uh, on the album. And... Um, you know, he talks about the thought that consoles him. He's obviously in a really bad place. He describes himself as uh, being here in the dark. But by uh, by referring to any hopeful thought as uh, as as just a star, like a faraway star, um, you know, he puts himself almost like like it's a very uh, hyperbolic. Uh, view of depression but puts him in the inky blackness of space you know if he is the space and in the all-encompassing uh dark and any sort of positive thought is just a faraway star um obviously you know 
it's a it's a depression song and 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 being uh, a song about being in a bad mental state but uh it's a really cool song it's not a it, it, the song doesn't wallow at all it's a really cool uh baseline that's quite unconventional particularly for the hip and uh i have to say too not to go too inside baseball and too far behind the curtain it reminds me a lot of your playing brad um mm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just to let the listeners know, you know, we're all amateur musicians here. You know, uh, Steve Bark plays guitar, I sing, and and Brad plays the bass. And uh, the the bass line is very much like something that, uh, you know, that that you would write, Brad. And, and and it's cool because it does seem like the whole song is written bass out, mm-hmm. uh, which you can't say for a lot of these songs, um, and. Uh, and you know there's some other cool things too like there's a very frenetic uh chorus uh where basically gord can't keep up like there's too many syllables in the lines for him to get them out in the time uh you know in before time uh comes to to move to the next line for the band like he's behind late 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 which creates tension and there's a big tension tailspin in uh in all the uh in all the choruses and um there's a little bit of release that you get too uh with really really good backups like if the idea for the hip over the last three album was uh, was to sort of figure out how they were going to properly do their backups they found the secret in this album the backups are um you know they're not sour you can't hear one voice in particular they're very supportive the the harmonies are are extremely complimentary i mean i wonder if you do need to look at production staff and sort of who helped um you know with some of the post recording um and, and did some of these things uh but uh I do want to talk about, um, you know, the only thought that consoles me is you aren't here in the dark with me. So, I mean, this is somebody who's really depressed saying, I care for you and I care deeply about you. And um, even though I'm in a really bad place, uh, if we can't be together, at least I know that you're not in such a bad place as well you know and that's sort of the cold comfort that he outlines is you know when he says i'm i i'm just a or you know that that hope and optimism the thought that consoles me is just a star and i'm here in the dark it reminds me of um a lyric from the frank zappa song the torture never stops where uh frank is trying to in a, like a cartoonish over the top type of way tell you about how fucking horrifying the existence is for these people you know um and uh he says uh flies all green and buzzing in the dungeon of despair and the prisoners grovel and piss their clothes and scratch their matted hair there's a tiny little light from a window hole a hundred yards away and that's all they'll ever get to know about the regular life in the day and so that 
sort of that far away light concept and that total darkness here concept is is i think what what gord's alluding to um you know he talks about the winter mind you know when i get into the winter mind i think this is his way of saying when i'm depressed you know um when i get really deep into depression and then he also says i'm as happy as my least happy kid um which again i th i think i think shows that there's a sort of like a family lilt to this like it's lilted uh in such a way uh that that it, you know um you can there's a family interpretation there uh you know if it were a split up you know he's saying that i'm i'm the worst off for this you know like she's doing better everyone else is doing better i'm doing worse and it seems like a kind of a an admission of that um yeah uh oh and i also wanted to say the bridge outro uh of this song in my opinion is the best moment on the album it's like uh really really vintage uh or not vintage but it's it's everybody playing to their strengths and uh it it, it i really really like the way it sounds to me it's the best part uh best part of the whole album um so i I just wanted to, you know, ask you guys sort of what you thought about it. Obviously, it's an eye-catching song. Even when you just listen to to the album as a whole, it, it is one that sticks out uh, with almost like some positivity, which is weird for me to just dump a bunch of depression all over everybody and then say uh, it's, a, it's a positive song. But it certainly sounds positive. Am, am I wrong there? Uh, uh, Steve, what do you what do you think? Yeah, so a couple things. Though I'll kind of address the question first. Um, I so what, going through the album, and I kind of saw the song "What Blue," which precedes this one. Um, I you know it's you call it a misreading or whatever. That song to me was like our love is going to prevail over all of these challenges that keep coming up in the next four or five songs. Right. And it, it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me that they would start with that. And then he would start with that. And then kind of like the falling action is, Oh yeah, this is kind of depressing. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, that's just how I took it. And, and now I'm realizing like, Oh God, in the framing of a, of a split marital split, it all makes way more sense that what blue is now more of like uh that love will never die but it's for the practical purposes it's gone now um so uh to me this song like everything else kind of makes sense so i was on the same page as you with this john but now i'm just kind of like oh i gotta rethink this a little bit um the well, it's, line it's it's kind of weird, you know, because he says, um, you know, uh, cause I had your love. I took it into my heart. Um, but my life was in my mind and yours was in your arms. I think it, you know, 
doesn't that sort of speak to the different natures of people? Some are doers and some are thinkers, you know, is it maybe yes. a way to say that? Like they come yeah. from different worlds. Like, like you could say like you and me, we come from different worlds, you know, like uh, men totally. are from Mars and women are from <laughs> Venus. Some of them yes. are blowfishes. And yeah. So I was yeah, about some to... of them are hooties or however it works. I, I'm, I'm not a, not a biologist. <laughs> You're not a biologist. We do have a biologist here, though. Um, so yeah, are we just are I'm... we just giving Brad every degree now? He's a parasitologist. He's an epidemiologist. He's a biologist. He's a I don't know. I, those are the only yeah. science disciplines I know of. God yeah, damn it! Yes, all, yes. They're all, I'm all of them. together, lilted towards each other. Um, I'm not using that word properly. Uh, I'm getting so hammered on the callbacks here. Yeah, that <laughs> line is the, the line you brought up, John, is what I was going to bring up. Uh, so that, you know, obviously, Gord is in his head. His life is in my mind, and yours was in your arms, like outstretched. Mm-hmm. And you can see how that would be, you know, completely asymmetrical in a relationship. Um, and I think you can't, I, I, I have no problem saying that that's a gender genderization, um, because in the liner notes, (laughs) in the liner notes of the album, that is a line. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's a line taken from, uh, the grapes of wrath, John Steinbeck, John Steinbeck's come up a few times in Gord's work. And I'm a big Steinbeck guy, so I'm, and uh, that's that's just okay with me. So, but actually, the Grapes of Wrath has been referenced a couple times in this album. So this line was from the the book uh, Grapes of Wrath. The whole line is, "Women can change better than a, than a man." Well, it's you know it's all old timey Southern language, so it's actually women can change better in a man. Women got all her life in her arms. Man got it all in his head. And that's from uh, the uh, matriarchal character of the book, Grapes of Wrath, uh, Ma Jode. Um, so yeah, I th- like looking at this song as, as like it's a deterioration or, or something that just was, couldn't work anymore. It makes a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that I have a whole lot to add to this. Um, this song, musically, yeah, it's it's great. Um, it's one that does quicken up the pace on the album. Um, I definitely had referenced the the bass line. You know, it it's, it features prominently in the song, and I love the bass tone. It's just got a bit of bite, just a bit of growl. Um, and I think it is. It's one of these ones that I think you know, like I said in the opening that there's maybe some darker, whatever existential kind of lyrical content, but there's still a hopefulness to the sound at, at, at times in this album. And this is one of those. And John, you, you mentioned that where it's like, not to, you know, it sounds positive, but the lyrical content is not, I like that juxtaposition because to me it fits with what I'm getting from this whole album is that there's all this shit that happens in life and it's all right it's okay. You know, like it's just life. It's what you got to do. You got to go with it. Um, 
the the line that really you know struck me was again john like you said that you're not here in the dark that's really cool it makes it sound really um selfless you know like if we can't be together at least you're you know you're not down in this shithole with me or whatever like that's i don't know that's just a really poignant line that stuck out to me and one of the uh one of my uh top rated tracks on the album for sure just quickly just to jump on what you said both of you about the musical aspect uh john you compared the bass with brad i thought that was super cool um with the this is the song that really reminds me of uh a sloan track mm-hmm. 500 oh. up really reminds me of that song oh, okay. um and uh, the quick bass work is i think the the thread there that uh and the lateness, like you said, John, I think yeah. both of those working together are like uh, super cool. So, Brad, you I just lo- got compared to Gord Sinclair and uh, Chris Murphy all in the last 10 minutes. I couldn't be happier. I just love I love the I love the out of control can't catch up mm-hmm. to the song uh, as a device to create tension. Uh, it's yeah it's used to much a plum here mm-hmm. for sure <clears throat> all right well if that's all for this one um and steve's going to take it with the next couple tracks all right i am doing the next track tired as fuck uh so first thing only hip song where the Fuck bomb made it to the title. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a first for everything. Um, definitely put, gives uh, uh, highlights the song and makes it very noticeable uh, in the title uh, or in the track listing. Um, great cowbell opening. Really hard on the cowbell to start us off. Uh, can only assume that's Johnny Faye rocking the cowbell. So good work on that one. Reminds me of a Saturday Night Live story. No, just kidding. Um, our loyal <laughs> listeners will uh, pick up on that inside baseball. Just a little little splash on you, Gronin. Um, people, people tend to prefer the cast when they were in high school. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this story before. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, it's got this kind of uh, slick Spanish guitar melody to it. Kind of in a poppy way, not, not like a traditional Spanish guitar, but it's still, it's, it's, it's really nice listening, super smooth. Um, This song is, I'm going to have to reframe it a little bit on my notes based on kind of, I, I was really relating this song to the song, what blue. And I, and so I'll, I'll get into it. Um, so we, we look at the first two lines, tired as fuck. The greedy palace has been keeping me up. Uh, they decided to kind of set the direction for the song. I'm interpreting the greedy palace as Gord's mind and uh, he's struggling with with what's going on inside of his inside of his mind 
Uh, so I referenced what blue. Okay, so I, I, I was sort of seeing that. <laughs> I was sort of uh, reading that as like a, we'll get through anything kind of song. Um, and that this, that, like I said in the opening, that it's kind of a triumphant song over over all of these hurdles. Um, and this song, the hurdle in this song is is uh, the greedy palace or or Gord's mind. But it it makes more sense to know that he's alone now in the song. Uh, what blue? Gord sings. I was always too uneasy, too for solitude. But now he is alone right like so in a relationship he was always too uh wanting he was always wanting to be by himself or or wanting to kind of get a shield or or some walls up um and now he's left alone with his walls and it's uh it's a little bit more of a horrid feeling i don't think it's quite as as uh it's no longer a refuge anyway um the song does a similar thing with the kind of tone or melody is is more so kind of upbeat whereas the kind of the lyrics are of uh more of a kind of uh depressing bent or melancholy or wistful um or lilt as a word i just learned um that's not what it means uh so uh there's this is about the battle tired as fuck is about the battle inside of your own your own mind the greedy palace uh it's getting in the way of living uh see now then can't and won't you will and you can so this is like an internal di- dialogue right uh you can i'm not gonna do it you have to do it you can do it no, I can't. Uh, this is like a, a struggle happening. Um, tired as fuck. It's so hard to wonder why when you don't feel worthy of being aloft wherever wind may blow. You don't let your balloon touch the ground or get so high that you can't let go. Uh, so, I mean, he's, ab- he's obviously having a hard time with it. Uh, he's too concerned about uh, not letting his balloon hit the ground or, or get so high that he, he can only go up. Um, of course, that is until you come down, right? He's trying to, to level out his, his mood because he's, he's, he's afraid of the extremes, Right. We think of the extremes of, of mood and, and people often kind of go towards like uh, the idea of, of being bipolar. This isn't, a, um, this isn't a diagnosis. It's not a self-diagnosis of Gord. It's not, a, it's not an amateuristic psychi- psychiatrical diagnosis. Diagnose away. Brad, Brad will write it up anyway. Yeah, okay. He'll write it all up. So just yeah, diagnose sure. away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He but stamps I mean, this... all my diagnoses. So. <laughs> That's true. I have a stamp. Sometimes we, when we get into these kind of moods or whatever it is, 
our our minds might take on that framework or that lilt, if you will. Um, that's that's the first time I've used it correctly. It's awesome. Uh, it's, it's an apt description for what it must feel like to kind of have that condition. Again, not a diagnosis, but he's obviously not doing so well, right? So uh, he's not letting life just kind of happen. He's very concerned about things. Uh, and then it gets into the rep- repeating of May and June in a very pretty tone. Uh, the two months that are kind of between spring and summer, it's not quite summer. It's kind of like the shoulder season uh, where things are a little quieter. He's at the lake. Things are quiet at the lake, you know, there, there's not as much to do. He's, he's left to his own mind a little bit too much right now. Uh, You know, so it's, it's before the busy times uh, and you can kind of uh, when you can kind of put the bent of solitude away, you know, because he's got this bent towards solitude um, where he spends perhaps too much time in the greedy palace. Uh, but until the summer, what do you do? Well, you get hammered by yourself, guys, in a, in a lake of gin. In a lake of gin, I only had to tilt the paddle toward my chin. Yeah, I love that line. It's very easy to get drunk by yourself in this uh, in this kind of situation. So, you know, it's painful to think about. There's a certain amount of torment in this album and this song, and uh, it sucks to think that. Uh, this was, well, I mean, you could look at it two ways. These were clearly, this was in the, the year, two years before he passed, three years before he passed, whatever it was, that he's writing this material. It's not in a good way. But with the diagnosis, I don't know, did you guys read any of the other kind of rumor mill tabloidy magazines? Did they get back together after the uh, diagnosis? I don't know. Uh, is it in the liner notes? <laughs> it's not in the liner notes. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> so, but I mean, it, it's, it's like maybe, maybe in a weird way. And again, don't treat me as anyone, but some dude who's kind of observing here. I'm no, I'm no expert, but in a weird way, this, I, the diagnosis of cancer may have been uh, this a positive thing in Gord's life because he he started focusing on a the things he wanted to to get done. One being this tour, but I think that was actually like for him. I think the tour itself was was for the band and the fans. I don't think that mm-hmm. was as important to him as his work with First Nations groups. Uh, the Secret Path, which was a great project, so on and so forth, right? Which I, and I think this the diagnosis elevated him out of the greedy palace where he was just kind of in self-loathing mode, it would seem, um, and uh, uh, create an incredible 
amount of good work uh, in that brief time period. So, yeah, what do you guys think of the song? Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is another one where it the 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 sound of the music betrays the the darker content of the lyrics at at times you know you get this kind of catchy like you said spanish kind of opening uh it actually makes me think of like a ween song like <laughs> i know we've been comparing to other bands a lot but this is like just like opening with the, yeah or something like that you know where it's just like oh okay this is a band Dude. doing something that's like not really their thing but they're clearly right. doing it and then i'm like i'm just expecting to hear Giner, you know come in <laughs> with the first line but um i really do like the little riff like it's really cool it's it's an it's pleasant to listen to i really like it and then again because you have this sort of not like campy or cheesy you know but it's obviously they're doing something that's not really in their wheelhouse i think again it's got this lightness to it this you know quality and then when you have this tired as fuck come in, it kind of, it's like a harsh contrast. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that works really well. Gotta Music, be, gotta be intentional, right? Gotta be yeah, intentional. I think so. Because oh, yeah. they, do, they do it lots, right? Yeah. So I think so. Yeah. And then I think that like, it's also the musically, I really like the shift towards the chorus. It kind of goes in a minor shift there and builds and mm -hmm. stuff until you get to that like up so high aloft that part where he's really singing out i think that's really great musically and it kind of then it kind of has to me that that line of like you you don't let your balloon touch the ground or get so high you can't let go first of all beautiful image of mm -hmm. you know this struggle of you know going not too high not too low but finding that middle path you know of a guy like mm -hmm. holding onto a balloon and it gets too high that you you're afraid to let go like the old cartoons or something like it's just beautiful i just that to me was the the best part of the song um and the way in which it's sung gives me that it's it's more of um i i view it as a uh like sage old wisdom from the guy who's been through it you know that's how i took it as look at let me tell you something stay the middle ground don't get too high don't get too low this is life Again, like I'm, I'm viewing this whole thing, this whole, a lot of the tracks on this album as someone who's been there, been through it and saying, it's okay. There's some dark shit that's going to happen. You got to go through this, but here's the key. You know, you're going to get aloft and wherever the wind may blow, but here's the key. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. And it's, so I took it as like a, again, there was that, this is one of the tracks that I felt that hopefulness that it's like it's okay to be in these places. Let me tell you, I'm here. This is how you do it. Yeah. And I, I think certainly, you know, <clears throat> uh, you know, if you consider the source and then you, and then you sort of think about, you know, who they view their peers as obviously, you know, they, they've been hanging out with a younger indie crowd, right. Or at least Gord has, you know, and, um, yeah, so some of these sort of sage, you know, wisdom type of things definitely creep into it. But I mean, like I, there's a there's a bunch of songs I think of. Well, like first of all is like, um, 
uh, young and tan and done and lovely. Girl the from girl Ipanema. from Impanima comes walking. And, you know, uh, it's it it makes me think of of that. And and like you said to um, Brad, it's just a the band is trying on a different mask or whatever you want to say they're trying it on and mm-hmm. and it's good and, and and there's nothing disingenuous about it or anything like that and then the then the other one that really jumps out to me too is this lake of gin i only had to tilt my paddle um toward my chin um reminds me of big rock candy mountain like a stew and a whiskey too and you paddle all around in the big canoe the big rock candy mountain um but i didn't realize like you were referencing songs from the 1800s or i don't even know when the fuck that was well i know i, I think know. it was no it was written for the film oh brother where art thou as far as i know i didn't read the liner notes anyway um i i just sort of think that uh that this song has a certain like bombastic quality uh given that there's a fuck bomb right in the title and you know it also sort of carries the weight of of being the absolute most honest uh admission of age or fatigue from gord you know like i don't think he's been as explicit as this in any other song and it's like it's blunt in that way that's the idea that's the purpose of it right like you guys get some of the same Mm -hmm. same sort of idea there you know like uh, also you know it's it became like a banner for the last tour as well you know tired as fuck i mean there became t-shirts and things printed i mean I'll just I'll share with the listener a heartwarming sort of thing. Um, when uh, uh, my wife had our son, as our first child, uh, Steve Barg, you gave uh, you gave us a couple gifts, and one was a T-shirt that said "Don't Wake Daddy," uh, <laughs> the great uh, hip song title. And then uh, you got a shirt for my wife that said "Tired as Fuck" <laughs> as well, which he, which she really enjoyed and 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 wears to this day uh proudly um yeah it just i think it's it becomes a bit anthemic too where you're trying to you know you're tr- I, I i think that i think that he's just being very very honest about what's going on around him and it certainly doesn't fit uh, like like this is where i have a hard time squaring you know these songs with the Dougie Stardust uh, conceptual album, because like, <laughs> where would tired as fuck f- f- filter fit. in? It doesn't filter in. It's 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 an autobiographical song, and it's a, just a, a really sort of true admission. I'm glad I'm glad we got it too. You know, like uh, totally. I know that there's a bias towards dismissing a lot of these later hip uh, albums and I've been you know I've been subject to it as well but it's really really cool that this song got got wrote and uh and was as honest as it is right like and blunt as it is blunt yeah absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, it's a great it's it's a great track to to just add my thoughts on the tilt the paddle to my chin. I think again, it's just another great image, you know, mm -hmm. of you know you're thinking of drinking a glass of gin, but then it's the lake, and so obviously the paddle and the canoe thing. And when you think about like paddling, you're bringing the paddle to your chin. So I'm also thinking of like someone who's maybe you know like like in the literal canoe sense where it's just like oh no i'm if i really want to get through this stretch i gotta tilt the paddle to my chin or like hold it in a certain way to, to oh like steering yeah or something like this like, a rudder. like just like i've maybe i'm tired uh tired as fuck some might say and in order to <laughs> in order to really get through the last little bit and get to shore or whatever it is i gotta make sure that I'm not, you know, letting my guard down, letting my paddle slip, you know, falling into a bad posture because you're tired, tighten that shit up and just mm -hmm. paddle through the, the last bit of it. That's, you know, I think that drink your gin and drink your gin. Do you well, think Gord we've all is... been canoeing, right? Oh yeah. Do you think mm -hmm. Gord's a gin guy or do you think that's for uh, the rhyme scheme? Like he's a gin guy. Yeah. You're a gin guy. Hey John, you're a gin yeah. guy. Yeah, takes one, to no, guy, takes one to no one. Takes one to takes no one. Takes one to yeah. no one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, I, I, I think there's a reason why he said that too. And I think to me it speaks to the ease of how quickly you get in, you know, into that into uh, gin pattern. You know, where it's like all I needed to do was just tilt my paddle this way and then all the gin just came into my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's how I was reading it too. Been I mean, there, been I've, there. I've been, yeah, yeah. Who I've been canoeing been with both of you, so I've seen both of you tilt that gin paddle pretty, pretty hard. <laughs> I've had some gin during this conversation. Not gonna lie. <laughs> All right, and it tilted in there pretty easily. Yeah, right. there you go, glug a dub. <laughs> All right, Steve. Well, you got the next track too, so let's uh, let's move on Shit, to that boys. one. Me again? All right. I'm up next with Ocean Next. Uh, okay, so this song opens with a bit of a kind of ominous acoustic bass riff. And Gord comes in with a voice effect that immediately reminds me of uh, Shan and Hoon, uh, Blind Melon. I don't know. That's the first thing I – I don't know. Did you guys – I can hear I'll, that. I'll I can hear that. throw it back to you right away. Did anybody else hear that? I could hear that. Sure. Yep. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So the song is pretty brooding. Uh, lyrically, I think it's getting at this. Again, I'm going to go back to mine, and, and this could just be my – direction maybe it's maybe it's the time we're living in or whatever but i'm getting that that orwellian shit again here in this uh, song and i'll tell you guys why um so i like i'm getting this big time numb to the world and, and just go through the motions kind of thing here like it, it opens up with i don't understand i just live and i do congratulations you said you said you're allowed right um, it, the song go, keeps going. I think I'm all feel today. You think? You think? You stink? Ten, ed, ten exits away, you just say, oh, wow. Um, 
So, and I don't want to get into that line too much, but uh, the next one I'm super interested in. So I'm I'm so relaxed, a little wistful, perhaps. This combination of feelings is brought on by I I think submitting yourself to to the kind of machine of the world without resistance, right? Like. I'm so relaxed, but it doesn't feel quite right. It's not a good relaxed. It's a little sad. Something's missing. But uh, nonetheless, I feel relaxed. I don't really have to do very much here. Um, goes into the, the chorus with Ocean Next. I, I'm not too sure about the title, by the way. I'll, I'll admit that right away. It's the one part of the song that I don't really get. Uh, you know, I've got some ideas, but nothing that was too concrete. Um, so the next line is, is the next reference to the Grapes of Wrath, uh, by John Steinbeck. Uh, this is a novel about landowners and farmers. Have you guys read Grapes of Wrath? Putting you on the spot. You get it? You read it? Uh, no, I don't read. Yes. Yes. Unless it's uh, interviews, unless it's old interviews on microfiche. <laughs> yeah brad's my doctor he does all my reading <laughs> <laughs> okay well it's it's a novel about uh landowners and it's it it's it was famously turned into a movie as well uh it's about never landowners. Heard never heard of it yeah okay <laughs> well i mean i i told you guys i'd ran out of books i i got this book again so it's good uh, it's nice to have a little material to work with. But, just a uh, second. Both... Just a second. Are these real connections, or did you just read the Grapes of Wrath, and now you're making connections? Now I'm stretching out. No, it was in the goddamn liner notes, John. Oh, Jesus. It's not your world possessed by a Grapes of Wrath mind. Yeah. No, I didn't just read. <laughs> I got news for you guys. I don't. I don't read either. Okay. I I have I've read I've read but I don't read and you so, listeners you're in good hands yeah you guys are in good hands you guys are in good uh, hands so it's it's but I have read the grapes of wrath and I'm a I'm a huge Steinbeck guy that's for real love Steinbeck love the grapes of wrath uh, this is a novel about landowners and farmers of Oklahoma being thrown into the gears of an industrialized world at the beginning of the 20th century, right? When that kind of machinery was, everything was starting to change, right? Imagine being a farmer in the dust bowl at that time and everything's overtaking you, right? Like, you don't, oh, you don't have mechanized tractors? Oh, you're fucked. You don't have this and that. Oh, well, there's a bigger farm next door is going to take you over, right? It's all controlled by the bank as well, by the way. The bank turns into this useful thing, and then all of a sudden, the bank is very much against you because the bank can't profit off you, can't maximize its profits off you, the landowner, the, the farmer of Oklahoma. So what do they do? They need to vacate their land. They move. They need to move to to California for survival, right? Where they can work at these labor farms, you know, pick pick the uh, peaches and stuff like this, right? 
So the line in the song is, uh, just go and see the thousand pictures, thousand pictures in quotation marks, that tomorrow is or will surely be. But the full passage of the book reads, but you can't start, only a baby can start. You and me, why, we're all that's been. The anger of a moment, the thousand pictures, that's us. This land, this red land, is us. The flood years and the dust years and the drought years are us. We can't start again. So the passage describes the last resistance, an inability to submit. Whereas the, whereas the subject of the song is more akin to the baby. In the book, it says only a baby can really start again. You know, like, you tell me that I have to now be a part of this new world? I can't do it. All I know is what I know, right? And the th- I've got these thousand pictures to back it up. Yeah, maybe a baby, maybe my baby can kind of fit into this new world, but I can't do it, right? I know too much. So in the song, I feel like the song is the baby of this story. You know, where it's like you were born in to an already submitted world, right? An already mechanized world. Uh, and then, therefore, the thousand pictures isn't a symbol of anger and not giving up. But it's way creepier than that. It's, it's, a, it's a listless attitude of consent. Uh, song continues read 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 receive lose receive be happy it's all you leave this is the summation of the life of an audience member witnessing the world rather than acting in it a few transactions and you leave this world and, and you be happy that you even got a chance to be here right that you got a chance to see it And so the song continues again with the song, I'm so relaxed, a little wistful, perhaps. The idea that something's just a little off, right? The wistfulness of it. But the the relaxation is good. It's like being drugged, right? Like, uh, it's good to be relaxed, but uh, there's just something that's off. Ocean next, ocean next, ocean next. I don't know what the reference to the ocean is. I don't know if it's an environmental statement or not. Uh, I'll turn my music up, listen, don't guess. At the center of it, a little sadness, again, brings it back to the wistfulness. Um, and then the the last line, I, when I first read the last line, I thought it was terrible. I don't know if it's ironic or what, but Ocean Next, a thousand pictures, better than sex or salt and vinegar chips. First of all, <laughs> sure yeah yeah right better than sex and salt and vinegar chips uh i don't know but uh, so the, thinking about it in, in thinking about it in kind of a the framework of the song based on my interpretation it's interesting comparing those same thousand pictures from the john steinbeck uh reference scripts of wrath to this kind of gratuitous consumer behavior right thinking about what the the farmers at the turn of the 20th century must have 
kind of what their lives must have been like and then comparing it to what we are now, right? It's, it's a hell of a contrast. So um, it's, it's a brooding song, you know, all the way through, um, melodically, and the voice effect I feel is brooding. Uh, um, in that sense, it's not like... Um, I, I compared it to a Blind Melon song. I think like that Blind Melon voice effect is most prominent in, uh, oh God, I'm drawing, what's the B-Girl song? Are you bringing up Coffee Girl? If, if anybody's bringing up Coffee Girl again, I'm going to go fucking nuclear. No, no. I'm not talking about Coffee Girl. I'm talking about Blind Melon. God damn it. Oh, the B -girl uh, no song. rain. Yeah, no rain. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Thank you. So all you had to do was just listen. And then you sorry, I'm. Right away. <laughs> I'm completely, I'm in the greedy palace of yeah, my yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, coffee girl. And it's, yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. So anyway, the, the, uh, it, it, like, so in, in that song, it's that the voice effect is used kind of in a, for positive effect or, but this song is all brooding from mm -hmm. the opening uh, guitar lines all the way through the lyrics, everything. There's no juxtaposition here. Mm -hmm. Anyway, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. This is the one where the, the lyrics and the and the music match up. Um, I thought this was a really interesting song uh, musically. You know, it's not something that you normally hear from the hip, I don't think, with that kind of distortion on the vocal and stuff. Um, I like how the melody and the guitars kind of sway together uh, at times. It almost has like a, I mean, she, sea shanty is kind of the wrong word, but the way that it kind of, they go to together, you know, um, maybe like a folk It's like song. a lilt. There's yeah. like a lilt to it. Eh? <laughs> could be, could be. I still don't know what that word means. So, um but they kind of go together uh, and then with this like heavy sort of distortion, like a folk song with some like high reverb on it or something. I just, it was really cool. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, it pulled me in when I first heard it. Um, I'm starting to think Steve that, you know, all the things that I attributed to when I was listening to the album and I attributed these things to like fate and sort of um, like I've mentioned a number of times now, the idea of like, you have your nature or you're in this world and that's all you can be. So just accept it, just do it. I kind of was looking at that as like fatalistic and like human nature and, and these kind of things. But the way that you're talking about it, it sounds more like, um, you know, the machines of society. So, you know, with the grapes of wrath reference stuff, mechanization, I mean, you, these are things that in the time that this album was written in the time that we're talking about it are happening. You know, we I made the joke about Google and him talking about algorithms and stuff before, but it's that you know maybe that's what he was talking about. So all the, I'm starting to see it in another light, which I think is really cool, and I'm glad you you brought this perspective and 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 picked these songs. I mean, it it there's still a linkage there, because um, like I was saying with Man, where it's like you can look at it, or some of the other songs, you can look at it as the individual level. You know, so the man looking at his place in this, but then if you look at it at the macro level, you know, we create these societies, we create these things and then become trapped in, in them. And so there's, a, you know, maybe a bit of that going on too, of struggling to figure that whole thing out. Um, but yeah, really, 
one yeah musically one of the one of my favorites on the on the album and i think songs like this and this album with this tone and this sort of sonic direction or whatever you want to call it like make it really really interesting and this is you know one that 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 stands out but uh it kind of makes it since world container i think my my favorite mm. um <clears throat> i was just gonna say <clears throat> there's a lot of befuddlement about uh the title of the song i don't feel like i have a clear um understanding and grasp on on what the song is about and i think it's become clear to the listener that i did not read the liner notes um but i also as his doctor didn't read them for him (laughs) thank you that's uh yeah absolutely i know i appreciate uh your hippopotamus oath and uh and all the things that go along with it um but what what I I did want to posit one possible possible um, just guess about Ocean Next, um, <clears throat> uh, Steve. You talked about the Steinbeck migration from um, frontier to frontier. Um, Oklahoma became too mechanized. It became um, there were. You know, there was consolidation of land and there was um, uh, wealthy farmers who were able to um, sort of take advantage of new technologies, which pushed people uh, further west to even more distant frontiers um, in California to pick fruit. I mean, are these people being pushed into the fucking ocean? Like, where is the next place that they can go to run? Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like they've been, they've been, it's like poverty, you know, where you think at some point there's going to be a, a barrier or a floor to how bad things can possibly get. And, you, and, and, and even if you feel like you are there at the bottom, there's still this tremendous pressure to push you deeper, you know? Um, but it's certainly not well outlined in the lyrics. I mean, if no, that's, it... if that's what he's getting at, Sure, but it's not like he makes a, a a lot of effort to. No, that's that's awesome. Say. You you nailed it. Like that is the missing link of what mm-hmm. I was wondering about. Well, Brad's and... got me on these. Brad's got me on these pills. These focus pills. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's subtle, but that's exactly what it is. It's got to be it. And it. It's a comment on. Um, <laughs> It's it's a comment on it's got to be a comment on both the pushing and the pulling, mm-hmm. right? So you push the people further west, but also you're pulling the ocean closer to you uh, with Gord's uh, kind of climate bent. I would have to think anyway that that's in his head that you boom pushing. Sloan, boom Sloan losing California, pow, pow. Yeah, there you go. Boom, pow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah All right, for sure. Okay, anyway. well, as long as we're satisfied, it doesn't have to be true. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's got to be wrong more often than it's right. <laughs> this is this is going out on the internet, so of course it's true. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. 
Okay. All right. Well, then uh, let's move to the last track of the album. I'll take it from here, guys, with Machine. So this one to me feels like a continuation of man. There's the obvious, you know, same lyrics going on with uh, I'm a machine, you're a machine. Um, but it also feels like musically that there's a bit of a continuation. I feel like the bass kind of picks up on what the guitars were doing in man. It's bringing at that, that you know, echoing droney riff that, that permeated man now the bass takes that in this and like really that's the a big part of the song um and this was my favorite song on the album um i think hot mike was probably like right up there as number two um and i would have chose to do hot mike if i didn't kind of see that there was some kind of a link in man and machine and i kind of like the idea of bookending this podcast so um like I mentioned before, too, I think maybe Hot Mike and Man and Machine might be linked just because there's similar references of the Hot Mike and the General and stuff. But I didn't dig into that too, too much. But when this one first came out, like this was the song that I got from the album, having not listened to the album. And we talked about how the whole tour and everything was sort of overshadowed with the diagnosis and whatnot. But this one always, always stuck out to me that. I was instantly drawn into that hypnotic groove. And then when you first get snapped out of that groove by that riff into the chorus. Man, 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 that's, that's some good hip stuff. Um, and this song in general has the, the hopeful feel that I've been mentioning throughout the, the episode here, uh, especially when you get to that that bridge that builds and builds to the really heavy, heavily distorted guitar solo. Like when I hear that part of the song, I can't help but like well up, you know, with emotion. Like it really gives me that, that lift, you know? And it seems kind of fitting to me that this is the last song that the hip put on the record. And because that feeling, it's, you know, it, I find it inspiring. I also find it comforting, you know, like, like we're, we're gone. This is it. This is the last dance. But, you know, go forth. You're the machine now. Go forth. This this is you. You can do this. Um, and obviously that's some revisionist history, but it makes me feel good. So I'm going to say it. Um, I think the lyrics, though, they convey to me this kind of at one um, more of a, a Zen peacefulness that man didn't have. So th I think thematically the songs are the same. Um, and while man introduced the concepts and had that kind of, I called it schizophrenic sort of dis disjointed feel more like you're stumbling through the wrist, the, the mist uh, machine reads to me like an understanding of, of one's place in the world. Um, despite there being maybe some futility in changing it, or even fully understanding it. So again, like my notes, like I said in the last things, you know, I was thinking about this from a real fatalistic point, but you know, the the, the trappings of society, you know, stand as that as well. Um, so I write about words. I find treasure or worse. I watch the end of a man of man, 
and I dream like a bird. I remain aloft, and I forget a lot. I try not to try, and I can remember or not. So these lines are full of contradiction, and there's something I can't quite put my finger on, but it kind of speaks to. It makes me think of like an absurdity of of reality, you know, sort of like giving in again to this, like, oh, this is just so crazy, but whatever. It is what we have. It's all we have.、Um, where it's like you're writing about the very thing you used to write.、Uh, I write about words. You know, like it. It seems kind of silly, but it's like I get it. I get the. I get the point of it.、Um, like, like don't overthink it. Don't and don't overanalyze it.、Uh, you might find treasure, or you might not.、Um, and then the dreaming like a bird and watching the end of man invokes the idea that he's above it,、uh, transcended. The sort of silly entrapments of man,、uh, and the self-importance of civilization—that self-importance idea that we talked about in、um, *World Possessed by a Human Mind*. Um, and I try not to try, and I can remember or not is a, again. It reads to me like a like a Buddhist type contradiction, you know, like try easier, less is more. You know, what's what's the sound of one hand clapping? You know, like some kind of meditating thing like that. You can try or try not. I can remember. I can remember not. Whatever, just be,、um, and then you have the chorus、uh, again with that great riff that brings us into the "I'm a real machine." It follows. You're a real machine fed on shadows.、Um, so here, when he's saying it follows, I'm inclined to read this not like as literally following something, but rather in the way you would say, like, because of this, it follows that. X, Y, and Z would have happened, or or be true. So in this sense, if then, yeah, if then. exactly, yeah. So in this sense, I'm a real machine. So then it follows that you're a machine too,、uh, fed on shadows.、Um, and then he also says the next time he says he doesn't say the whole he doesn't say it follows. He says he just says follow.、Um, and that kind of you know maybe it's a question. You know, or maybe it's beckoning. So it makes it all kind of like a like a lesson to me. So the narrator has figured it out. We're all machines in this light.、Um, but what of being fed on shadows? That one I struggled to kind of figure that out. But I think I, I'm I'm reading it anyway as as it's the unknown, and as these human machines that we are, we're we're fed on the unknown. And I talked about this、um, in man. Where it's this idea that humans are—we're always consuming, we're always kind of battling, we're always going forward. You know, we also have this this nature of wanting to figure it out, wanting to know what's on the other side. We cross the whole oceans just to see what was over there. We go into space just to see what's up there. That kind of thing. So it's kind of what keeps us going. You're fed on the shadows. You want to know what's out there. It's just part of human nature. Our never our never ending quest to figure it all out. You、um, are such a scientist. I'm sorry. <laughs> Could there be a more fucking epidemiological take <laughs> on that lyric? I don't think so. All right. Well,、uh, well, here's the thing: is that you'll never figure it out. You'll never get it all.、Uh, and understanding that you won't figure it out is to is the key. Is what I'm reading. So I return your gaze, and I wait in the rain. Um, again, it's just this—you know—it's like the inevitability、um, of it, just standing there waiting in the rain. 
Uh, and it's a beautiful image to me, you know. Uh, again, like Gore does, evokes these images, and I'm seeing a very clear image of my mind of someone standing to return a gaze, waiting in the rain. All incohate desires, I do what I hate. So, incohate, here's a new word for us. Well, at least a new word yes, for please. me. Um, it means. That's how you pronounce that? How do you pronounce it? In in chot. In chot. <laughs> in cohit. Chot. I, I think it's in cohit. Right. Anyway, uh, it means just begun, uh, not fully formed or developed, uh, rudimentary, confused or incoherent. So, you know. The, oh, the, related to the word incoherent. Yeah, That's yeah, why you yeah. Think yeah. It's incoherent. Yeah. The uh, it's the so this is you know, the incomplete nature of the journey, the desires are not fully, fully formed, can't be fully formed. We're just left to be people and live the life, you know, the fatalistic thing, do what I hate, which sounds kind of negative, but it could be, you know, again, this, when we're talking about, when I was talking about this, like Buddhist acceptance kind of thing, you're accepting that, you know, sometimes you're just going to have to eat some shit and get on with life. Um, and then that's it. And then we get this lovely build that I mentioned, uh, and then a repeat of the chorus, and then it kind of winds down and ends the album. And I found this, you know, a fitting end to the album and the discography. Um, the, the sentiments I had, like I said, it was hopeful, struggling with some of these questions and some of these emotions and stuff, but in a hopeful manner, in kind of a don't worry about it, we all, you know, you're not alone in thinking these things. Um, and, you know, Gord doesn't have it all figured out. He was never going to be the one to to reveal the truth to you and be the guru and, and, and let you know how things work, you know. But in this song, I'm getting that he knows enough to say that that's all right. It's all right that we don't know. Uh, and it's all right that we struggle with these things. Um, and he leaves with this you know, leaves us with this hopeful sentiment. At least he left me with this hope, hopeful sentiment and, you know, gracefully bowed out. Um, that's my take on it. What do you guys have? Um, I'll take it. Sure. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, so I, I've got a lot to agree with you on here, Brad. I've got some disagreements, but I mean, not are coming from a authoritative stances, having access to liner notes or anything like that. Just, <laughs> For fuck's sake. <laughs> just some basic shit here, okay? No, no. Textbooks uh, and yeah. So uh, first of all, I I completely agree that this is like a a sweet way to frame the album on the back. And it was never meant to, but in retrospectively, I mean great song to end the out the the band's recording career with right mm -hmm. like it's not like they meant for that to happen so far as we know anyway um but super cool song it's got some punch to it uh i when i when we started doing this album or the research for this album this was my favorite song leading into this album it changed a little bit after I listened to it over and over again, but I mean, this this is a favorite of mine for sure. Um, so I'm glad you picked it. Uh, I, I what you're saying makes a lot of sense to me in terms of uh, your lyrical interpretation, but I'm again always 
I'm I'm not as hopeful as you. I see this album very much through a cynical lens, especially when it comes to society, the future of humanity, that kind of stuff. Um, so I have the same filter for this song too. Um, just to point out the one line uh, is, or what, when it gets down to the end, it's I'm a real machine, it follows. I, first of all, I like your treatment of it follows. I think that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you're a real machine fed on shadows. This to me, I have almost an opposite interpretation as you do. This is not a hopeful line to me that we're being fed on shadows. This has nothing to do with discovery or the unknown to me. Uh, this to, to me is linked directly to the um, uh, possessed by a, hum by a human mind in a world possessed by the human mind song where, uh, again, I, I brought this line up earlier, uh, when everything is quiet, a little super dangerous, in the shadow of the law and with colors of justice. And this line, it's clearly saying that these shadows are a... Everything's made up. You think it's justice? It's not fucking justice. It, these shadows are the operating uh, <clears throat> and um, malevolent government agency. And to me, the shadows are the same in that song as they are in this song. I have nothing to do with the positivity or hopefulness. It's all about cynicism, about the world you live in, about the power structure, the hierarchy. Being just a cog in the machine. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. So again, this is just my interpretation. Um, this time I did not invoke liner notes so who's to say what what is and what isn't again i will admit i think we're a coin flip at best <laughs> well I, I i like that you like i said like it the, the all the things that i was kind of attributing to just fate and that idea that classic idea of fate and how you're bringing in this it's not fate that's sealing your your fate. It's these power structures. It's these things that we've created as humans. I think I like I'm seeing that now and it fits in what maybe I was kind of were sort of not cohesive ideas to me that now make sense in that lens. You know, I talked about a guy struggling with him and then societal makeup and like extrapolating that out but then that makes sense when you think about it in this way and that it's like all of those ideas can be true within yourself but because we're humans because we have a nature and we struggle with that that becomes the outward projection that we put onto the world just like we talked about with the human mind too possessed with the human mind it's like you're we're kind of manifesting that and the dark side of that of the man, the larger manifestation of human nature is these gross systems that get built to, you know, surveil or extract capital or, you know, whatever, whatever it is, destroy the environment, that kind of thing. And I think that's, that's cool. I'm always, I am struck by, you know, seeing that, that side of it, 
where I, where again, where I was just kind of looking at it as this philosophical thing, fate, whatever man's place in the world and getting the hopeful tone out of the music, because there is to me, like there's, there's the, the music's like we talked about this contrast and in this song as well, when it builds to that, that guitar part and it builds, it's really kind of a, you know, it sounds hopeful. It sounds like a positive thing. So it's interesting, you know, what they were doing there. Was that a conscious decision? I mean, we talked about it in other songs as it being a conscious decision to to add punch or tension or whatever. But thematically, the whole thing, like let's say the whole thing is this sort of railing against, I don't know, maybe technology, whatever, power, you know, all these things. Because we have Gord's environmental thing and we have his First Nations advocacy which both speak to this, you know, for the first nations, it's the power structures that they're, you know, have been imposed on them. And for the environment, it's this, you know, the capitalistic, whatever consuming thing. So then why I'm, you know, or maybe it just comes down to, you know, the band wrote these songs and Gord put these lyrics over top. So the, maybe there's not supposed to be that much connection to them. Maybe it wasn't a conscious decision Mm -hmm. to make these. I don't, you know, let's flip a coin on that one. I don't know, John. Well, fit, fit is king. You just, all you want is fit. I have these songs, they're about a certain thing. And you have these, and you have these tunes, you know, and they're a certain thing. I mean, how important is the music in your music? Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. But, but, but what I'm saying though, is that, you know, the two of them don't have to be saying the same thing as long as the fit is there, mm-hmm. you know, as long as it, as long as it's a unified front to the listener, it just sounds um, good. you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So fit is king, you know, and then, and then I gotta, I'm sorry. I just got to weigh in on this. Like, like, um, so when he says, uh, you're a real machine, it follows because, well, sorry, I'm adding words. Um, he says, you're a real machine. It follows. I'm a real machine. Follow. So, you know, so he's saying, if then, this is, a, you know, and uh, he says, I'm a real machine. It follows. Uh, you're a real machine fed on shadows. So, to me, this idea of fed on shadows, it means that um, there is nothing that is untainted by your own interpretation. And because there is nothing that is untainted by your own interpretation, you don't see the actual sun. All you see is the impression uh, the sun has left on you. So all you see is your, all you see is your shadows. Hmm. Like, you know, you see, you see everything as it has washed over you, affected you and imprinted itself on your life. You know, um, or your shadow is and, and, over and, everything that you're, you're doing. Yeah. 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 Ab- yeah ab- absolutely. And everything, every new piece of stimulus or data or, you know, whatever you want to call it, um, is colored by your standing there between it and, and what you, and, and what you can read. Like it's, you see everything as, as it is after it's been filtered through 
your human mind you know uh that that, that was the that was the only thing I, I i really i sort of needed to say is just that it seems like him saying you're the same like you're a machine too you know mm-hmm. like you're no better than me you don't see the whole truth all you see is the reflected light and the reflected light has it, it, you know it's tainted by these these uh I don't know, obsessions of self and all these sorts the of human things mind. Too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I think it's kind of cool and I think it's, I think it's a really, it's a really good way to use um, the shadow image uh, about how you contaminate these own, like these experiments that you do, you know, they're, there's, they're never properly controlled because you fuck it up. Cause you're inside of them. Well, know? that's a, isn't and, that and, a physics concept or something too? It's like, you can't observe something without your observation influencing the, I mean, I think this goes down to like Schrodinger, quantum. Schrodinger, yeah. quantum. Yeah. Quantum, quantum. Uh, that's Hey, listen guys, that's a Deepak Chopra, uh, thing. Yeah. And that's why we say it in that way. <laughs> um, <clears throat> But yeah, that's no, my Deepak I, uh, impression. <laughs> that's my Deepak impression and, uh, and yours as well. And it should be noted that my Deepak impression is of course, subject to my own failings and shadows. <laughs> I, uh, it's been fed on my own shadows as well. So, um, but, but yeah, no, it seems it's kind of interesting, um, because Gord didn't die young. Uh, of course, he died too young, but he's not a part of this uh, club of rock and rollers that died in their 20s or any such uh, thing. Um, and people often wax philosophical about what would happen if uh, Jimi Hendrix was given another 10 years or 20 years and what sort of things would he uncover and and write because he seemed like he was far ahead of his time. Um, there's a, there's a part of me that wonders how far Gord would sort of take this, um, line of thinking from the last three albums, how, how far it would possibly stretch. Um, and there's a part of me that thinks that I, I wouldn't appreciate it as much as say other people would, um, just because I, I, I mean, I could see the advocacy really taking hold in the in the later work and once again i i i just don't i i find it a bit gauche to mix these two you things you don't care you know, about other like, people right <laughs> in the sense in the sense that if i listen to an album I would not like to be asked to donate money at the same time as listening to the album. They're different things. I'd like to enjoy the album. And then I have my philanthropic life, which is apart. It's completely apart. I've got my art consumption life. And then I've got my philanthropic activities. yeah, benevolent society life that I just I like to keep those completely separate. <laughs> so I, I I do I I do wonder that um, that things might have 
gone further down that road and separated me further from uh, from the material. But um, it is kind of interesting to because he was right up until the very last song, which we just covered, um, uncovering new and distinct ways uh, to talk about the human condition, write songs, um, you know, uh, write, write songs that are specifically different from other songs that have been written in the past. It, you know, he was making exciting uh, work right up until the very end. Um, and it does make me think that things are cut short, mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in that way. Can you hear it's, Steve? It's, yeah, no. sorry. It sounded like um, I muted my mic so I could belch in private. Uh, mm -hmm. I've got, I'm mm -hmm. for solitude a little bit too much here. Um, it sounds like you're hypothetically bashing the hips next album yeah. that doesn't exist. <laughs> Yeah, did well, I get that right? Yeah, well, we all we hinted that there would be one more album, and uh, you know, or sorry, one more episode of of our of our show, and um, maybe I'll just tell the listener right now, we're gonna cover a hypothetical <laughs> extra hip album, and I'm really gonna let them have it. <clears throat> yeah, I really didn't care for this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, sunset album what was this yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. What, what was that just absolute trash mm. um so but john <laughs> you have to admit and first of all i agree with your overall point you made a very right. good overall point and you wrapped it up nicely uh, but there was some stuff in the middle there. Oh, uh, but I still I, fucked it up, eh? No, no, no. no, no that's what I'm saying. Uh, you said you said interesting things that I think open up avenues of discussion. First of all, is there this album does not notably have advocacy written into no. it? Mm -mm. No, it doesn't. So it's it's not like a trend where like. The last yeah. two albums it was building and building. I think point. perhaps the advocacy as a band hit the highest notes uh, with the last album now for Plan A. Mm -hmm. And I know you yep. found that, um, as you said, gauche. Uh, even though I think, I'm not going to speak for you, but I, you, you spoke for yourself. I think you liked that album. Um, I did, yeah. Uh, so, but this to me does, and, uh, I mean... I wonder if Gord honestly kind of said to himself, I'm going to leave that for my solo stuff. I don't need to do that with, with my main, right. With the main band or anything that perhaps, right. I don't know, because obviously he, it, it's not like he was becoming any less of an advocate at this time. He's becoming more and more and more and more and more and more of an advocate. It seemed to be seemingly, Whereas at the last year of his life or so, it seemed to be all he cared about. Well, you got to think that he um, that some of the projects that he rushed to finish after the diagnosis, he probably had the ideas or the seeds of those already oh, sure. going in this. And so then maybe that is why it wasn't peppered all over this album blatantly, because he ha he found another outlet right. for it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just mm-hmm. like we were talking about how the diagnosis took over the tour. It's like it sounds like his advocacy at the time and being vocal about all these things in different places in the media, in Canadian media, maybe that's coloring mm-hmm. your your take on the on this album and what might have been the hypothetical next album. Yeah, and 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 the th- the 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 complete truth of the matter is that um, a lot of the axes to grind um, that I've had with later hip work are conspicuously absent in this album, and I, you know it's really good that you pointed that out, Steve. You know, um, there aren't sort of overt, um, you know. There aren't overt narratives where one group of people is in one camp and another group of people is in another camp. And a lot of that stuff is completely gone from this album. So, um, you know, who's to say that things would have carried on in that way? You know, like it, it may it may have just been a. A phase or or as you said brad something that he explored in uh solo work or 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 with different collaborators you know i just it, it for me in, in in my mind i think about the other members of the band who uh haven't been outspoken you know in their own in their own uh media appearances being sort of drug along for this crusade and, 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 you know, that to their credit, that isn't happening here. That isn't happening in the last album. It's not, you, you know what the rest of the band crusades for. And I, I think probably band wide, this is their big uh, pot advocates. I think Bobby Baker, especially pot and wine. <laughs> Yeah, you I, think they were, I think they were big into the uh, legalization. Pot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have their own brand of pot. Yeah. I don't know that that is. And wine. Uh, and wine. Yeah. So you got to have it. Everybody's gotta got their it. thing, you know? Yeah. Well, um, what did I say? Uh, Lake of Stew and of whiskey, too. And you could paddle all around it in a big canoe. That's right. Big rock handy mountain. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we're kind of we're into that zone now of wrapping up the album. I think we're we're well into that zone. Is there anything else? Um, you know, for me, like I said, this was John. You mentioned there that some of the things that annoyed you about previous albums are gone from this. This was, I think, my favorite. Like I said, since World Container, um, this yep. was my favorite of Now for Plan A. We are the same. Um, those last three. And I, I think this one stands alone as a good, as a really good album. Last one or not, later hip or not, I, I like it. There's a lot of tracks on here that I think I'll revisit. Um, I'm glad that we, you know, did this podcast so we could get to know some of these later ones that maybe I wouldn't have, maybe I wouldn't have forced myself to do that um, just on my own. Um, so yeah, I, I, I quite liked it. Yeah, me too. Well, I think it. Oh, go oh, ahead, Steve. Pardon thanks. me. Yeah, I, it's hard to choose uh, for me between this one and the last one. Um, I wasn't as just kind of uh, put off by the messaging of the last one, except for maybe one song. Uh, now for Plan that- A, I, I really love that that album. So yeah, I think they're both 
really, really solid. I think they both stand alone in their career of albums. I don't think either of them have to be, you know, like just the, we're always playing the relativistic card where we are kind of comparing saying, well, God damn, it's no road apples. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I think you almost have to kind of dispatch with that uh, way of thinking. And uh, these last two albums make it easier to dispatch with that narrative that, well, fuck, this band used to be so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah if the I, I don't be find ended my... at We Are The Same, oof. Yeah, I, I don't find myself thinking that at all when I right. listen to this album or, <clears throat> or the last album. I find myself thinking, yeah, this is, a, this is a band that's still relevant, that's still making great music. And uh, yeah, very happy to have been able to uh, kind of experience it all and then also I, I know this isn't our last episode or anything but uh yeah god damn it's been great doing this with you guys mm-hmm. just loved it thanks steve i i appreciate the tears too it's um i think yeah, we're all crying on the inside except for you who is very He's muting his mic right now to He's keep in the stop. Mute your mic and gather gather yourself. The tears the taste like gin. <laughs> is that is that normal? Hundred uh, percent. Yep. In in my experience, Good. yes, yes, it is. As a Good. gin guy, yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to say uh, that this is like a this is a great example of the mellow down easy sort of sound that they were pursuing and we are the same where it was like, you know, Gord can take the bombast and he can leave it to the side. You know, we can do some things that are, you know, they're more pleasant, you know, as far as the major scale and things like that are concerned, uh, you know, to our audience um, and, and do it the right way um, because you know, we are the same was not the right way. It was very grating and it was like, it was like withheld. It was a very neutered album and weird and crap like that. This, this album has a lot of the same sensibilities, but has, but it feels like the band is more in sync with the production. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, because now for plan a has a bunch of snarl to it that is completely that that isn't that isn't here in 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 this album you know like now for plan a uh starts with enormous things which is a you know that's a banger Mm -hmm. you know and we don't have there's no bangers on this hot mic which is fine bit of a banger yeah yeah no 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 you're no you're right but you you understand what i mean too hey like gordon it's like he's resigned to the mellow voice, you know, um, and uh, it sounds good. It sounds good. It doesn't sound compromised. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound. It's interesting. It doesn't. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. It's interesting that you we talked about how this was an album where they were letting some more influences in maybe and maybe wearing some of those influences on their sleeve and you're. Mm-hmm. comparison of it to we are the same it's i mean i know in in our discussion of we are the same we we talked about how some of the songs sounded like them trying to be something else 
trying to be like right. the you know i know i mentioned it some right. of the, like the live or let die or you know or the guns and roses track or something mm -hmm. like that you know um so yeah yeah, totally. yeah so so it's like where <laughs> that failed this succeeded you know yeah and it all comes down to efforting i think at, mm -hmm. at one side you can effort to sound like something else and on the other side you can stop efforting to not sound like something else right and you get two vastly different mm -hmm. results mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah no absolutely absolutely and um i uh i've just got to say too that this album never even really got listened to very much by me and and lots and lots of uh hip fans i think because it got lost in the you know impending death of uh of uh, of our hero here so like i i never gave this album its due i never listened enough and um throughout the last and it's not even just since bob rock uh showed up the last four or five albums, you know, or five or six albums, it's been uh, a bit front of mind for me how the how the band, the other four guys in the group, must be sort of handling this, dealing with it, thinking of it, because I mean, these They're guys getting, getting high, John. Yeah, no, I know. Drinking wine. I, it's like. Uh, it just because they seem that they that they are the blue collar element of the band, mm -hmm. you know, and there's something to be said for like when I rail against uh, abandoning um, the blue collar fans, you know, there must be some voice in that room, too, that says I play blue collar drums, you know, like I play blue collar bass like that. That really is who they uh who they were as a band and a lot of this growth um is is done by one member right mm. it's done by the guy who writes the words so um i don't know it's nice to hear it's nice to hear the band f fit the concept in this album quite well because the concept is a toned down version and a more mature and worldly version of of the tragically hip and it's nice to hear everyone excel in that role you know because yeah. it seemed a bit forced in the past so um yeah i i uh i i really appreciated this album uh but probably not until we did this uh until we decided to do this show you know. Yeah, I have the same kind of impression, I guess, about the band dynamic. Who's to say? Who's to know? But that's the impression. You, that's yeah. kind of how they're perceived anyway from, from my mm -hmm. standpoint. So um, interestingly, so I, I agree about the not giving this album its due. It was just, I mean, I remember back at the time and it was released and it was released, I'm going to say, right at the start of the tour uh, or just, just before their final tour and it was just so like it sounds so strange to think about it now but it was difficult to put myself in the frame of mind to listen to their new music at that time yeah it was you know, like, like fuck it fuck yeah. it we have to celebrate all the like yeah. the real 
gorgeous, yeah it, it just right? you know? it, it just yeah. seemed like a very difficult mental gymnastic to perform at the time and mm-hmm. and uh, it's it's crazy to think about now that it's like wow it's a band i love new music and now i know it's like a finite supply shouldn't i have just been shooting it into my veins at the time but uh mm-hmm. uh that's definitely not how i felt at the time i felt like uh it was very somber it was emotional um i was also uh, at the same time I was excited and jacked for the upcoming tour and that kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah. yeah weird. I, I, but I wanted to get back in touch with the music that I knew and loved yeah, so yeah. much. Right? Yeah. It wasn't like, a discovery phase. It was more of like a nostalgia, you know, you're yeah. looking back. Yeah. Celebration. Yeah. So I, but that being said, this album, I mean, we can all, perhaps agree of the motivations but this album won the band's uh, 15th juno award for best rock album first time they'd won that award and i i don't know i don't have that info in front of me but i'm gonna guess the last time they won that award would have been like music at work or something like this are there um, no other rock bands in Canada? No, it's clearly a Juno Awards. That's, I think yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're counting Junos. Well, I mean. Yeah, I know. Yeah. but You don't like, like it? Get better, Canada. Yeah. Get yeah. better. It's, it's pretty impressive. <laughs> this is not, let me, let me clarify. This is not their 15th time that they've won that particular award, but it's their oh, 15th I see. Juno. Uh, and they also sure there's won... a lot of uh, best production in there or best. Sure. Yeah. 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 Trying to think um, of a really. Obs- Sarnia reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Best, best Sarnia reference. Best <laughs> reference to I, a like, small guys, fishing village on the coast yeah. of Nova Scotia. I see, I see what you're doing here. It's all downplay and all this, but uh, it's, uh, it's an incredible uh, feat. I think even in the kind of regular context where you may laugh at the junos um we're just it's still, doing a little it's, it's, you know canada's got its own little small pond uh, 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 no i i know brad i get it <laughs> i get it. i see where you're coming from um it'd be like what it'd be like winning canada's best golfer award 15 times like holy shit yeah that's quite a Canadian golfer you got there. Um, so, but no, so they, they also won uh, the, the band of the year, which they'd won several times. So rock album and band of the year, giving them 16 total Junos. And uh, obviously there's a lot of pathos to use one of your, I think you came up with that term, John. It's a great yeah, term. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't know you were had such a vast knowledge of the Greek language to just come up with Greek sounding words like that. But my God, uh, so the obviously the Junos that year were laden with pathos, and uh, they gave them two Juno awards. Uh, Paul Langwa and uh, Bobby Baker were there to represent the band. They give them the album of the year award, and it's such a beautiful mm-hmm. moment. 
where all these artists and people are just like, yeah, they're getting nobody can name any of the fucking tracks off the album. Like it's well, like album of the prob- year, and it's like, yeah, wow, probably, probably. <laughs> probably. But then they they give them the mic and they they play them off the stage in hilarious amateuristic amateur Juno awards. What Juno awards? They they don't get thirty seconds into their thank you speech and the music comes up and Paul Langlois even says, really, you're going to play us off. You're going to do it like that. All right, then. And uh, pretty funny moment. Wow. Yeah. So to take uh, that moment that was jammed with pathos and congratulating and everybody being happy and, and everyone agreeing, everybody on being on the same page, you know, there was no uh, Kanye West storming the stage on this one to say that uh, Taylor Swift did not have the best Whoa, whoa, video. whoa. Do it with Canadian references. It would have been, what, Cardinal Official yeah. coming up or mm-hmm. Cardinal Official. Uh, coming up yes. and saying yep. that uh, mm-hmm. Alanis Morissette. had the best. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolaire had the best music video Chocolaire. that year. That's right. Chocolaire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and not Avril Lavigne. Right. Not right. Avril. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Right. So they took that moment and they immediately played over it, got them off the stage. Well, I'm so glad that this isn't the end for us, for all of us. And that, uh, yeah, absolutely. That, that there is another episode, Mm -hmm. uh, for us, because I, I feel like there was a ton of stuff that got fallen through the cracks, never got addressed. Uh, Oh yeah. You know, when we go and look at uh, at some of the classics, it felt restrictive that, you know, it was going to be two songs, an album. And uh, I know that towards the end, it was like, how many good songs could there possibly be? But uh, but it, it, it's going to be it's going to be something great uh, to do a little wrap up album. And um, I don't know. I've had a, I've had such a great time with you guys. Uh, you know, thank you to Brad, of course, for um, being the podcast doctor and being able to prescribe the podcast uh, medicine. It, it, because it, this is something that not a lot of people know, and is a sort of an inside baseball thing too. If you do need speed, like a, if, you, if you have a need for speed, but it's not like like a, you know. <laughs> Like if you really do, you need it. You could talk to Brad and he could give you a script for speed. Mm. And then you take a bunch of speed and then you listen to a bunch of these songs and then you write a, a, a bunch of the stuff down and we end up here, you know, and that's, uh, that's, that's just, that's, that's pretty cool. Um, we're going to do a wrap up episode. Right, yeah. Guys? Well, like this is, let's, uh, yeah, let's wrap this one up and we'll leave the rest of it for the wrap up. Uh, so to everyone that's listened thus far, don't don't quit on the on the podcast yet because we will have one more. But this was our take on the last, you know, of the discography, uh, Man Machine Poem. Um, it's been great to do these albums with you guys. You've all said it, so I'll say it as well. I, too, have enjoyed this thoroughly. Um, And we'll be back for one more, so stick with us and stay tuned for that. This has been Cast of the Unplugged Gems. 
Thank you all so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please do rate us or comment on the show wherever you're getting your podcasts. You can also follow the show on Twitter and interact with us there, at CastGems. You can also visit the website, hipcast.meterroom.ca. All the artwork for the show was provided by Sebastian Abood. You can check out more of his great work at sebastianabood.com. That's Sebastian, A-B-B-O-U-D.com. This show is produced by Matt Walkie. You can check out his great stuff at meterroom.ca. This show is co-produced by me, Bradley Van Perdon. You can find my work at bradleyvanperdon.wordpress.com. You can also follow and interact with me on Twitter, at bvanperdon. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the cast of the Unplugged Gems.